Hello, ladies and gents. Welcome to Basement Site Chats. I'm your host, Deeg, here today with Maelstrom. How's it going, man? I'm good, mate. How are we doing? I'm glad to hear that. I'm doing great. Um, I uh, You reached out to me recently, and I learned that you were the creator of Planet Side 2 Alerts, a fantastic site for a fantastic game that I'm a longtime consumer of. And um, I wonder if we should start by having you introduce uh, yourself and uh, mm -hmm. tell us about Planetside Alerts. Yeah, sure. So I've been playing Planetside 2 for, oh, Christ, since uh, 2014. Um, nice. Wasn't quite in the Alpha Squad uh, Alpha. Uh, just missed launch, but uh, yeah, I've, I've been a long-term player for, for a long time. Um, not been playing it for the full eight years, or however long it's been now, uh, seven years. Uh, but you're you cancelled. Your opinions don't matter. Count. <laughs> Sorry, man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Fake part timer. Um, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you there too. I I didn't get hop on the Planet Side train till 20. I'm um, Planet Side Two train till 2015. I was an OG Planet Side One player. Oh. I played in the beta for Planet Side One, as a matter of fact. Oh yeah, I thought you meant just Planet Side Two. No, no, I've been uh, playing Planet Side One as well. Uh, I was on Werner server back in the day. For real? TR. Yeah, yeah, TR actually. Okay. Which, uh, I think I joined that quite late. Uh, I think at the latter end of the stages of the game because I think it was only a couple of servers back then. Um, and that was the only US server. So I don't think they actually had a US server when I played. Yeah, it all collapsed down to one server at the very end of things. Gemini. That might have been it. Yeah. That might have been Did it. Did you catch yeah. the uh, the event of the end of Planetside 1? Oh, Where... yes. Oh, I, I regret missing that. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. that looked but like it was amazing. It was nuts. The asteroids falling everywhere. Oh, man. I, I wish... I wish there was like mini events in Plaza 2. Isn't it? <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> yes. Yes. I love it. Isn't it crazy that games like this can die? Yeah, it is. But, you know, technology moves on. Um, Plaza 2, eventually, and however long it'll last, will become old news in terms of technology. It's, it's not going to run on the latest machines or whatever. But obviously, we're many, many, many years away from that. So, you know, we're talking 10 plus years and. Christ, I hope it lasts that long. I mean, what? games like Even Line and World of Warcraft are still going, so absolutely, why not? Yes, wow, and it's, what, 10th or 11th iteration. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I've dabbled in a little bit of wow, but yeah, I don't think I quite have the sweaty nerd culture you see from uh, South Park in order to really qualify for, for wow. <laughs> uh, uh, what's so. the name of the sword? Slayer of the Lifeless, I think? I forget. No. Something like that. Um, Somewhat rude, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm well acquainted with World of Warcraft. As well, but that's not here. We're talked. We're here to talk about. Speaking of the technology, um, so you've been playing Planet Side Two for a while. You're an OG Planet Side One guy like me, so like this is clearly in your veins. And mm -hmm. how did Planet Side Alerts become a thing? Uh, first, well, what is it? Maybe first off. So Pistol Alerts is an automated uh, tracker for. So obviously, if people have played the game, they've seen the alerts. So that's what happens in the little rotating bell on the top left, uh, top right corner of your screen. You know, you obviously you know you fight for the continent lock, all that good stuff. Uh, so my site and the stuff I've built around it tracks up all those statistics. So every every death, every kill, every type of weapon that's been used, vehicle. Uh, recently, I put in vehicle versus vehicle metrics. So like, I don't know, for example, how many lightnings has a Sundra killed, or how many scythes has killed infantry, you know, stuff like that. Um, oh, yeah, see, so we've got it on the stream there. Yeah, yep. so, like, obviously, um, 
that in, that in itself tracks all the victories as well. So you can see quite a, a varied uh, splattering of different outfits and the way they work on each server. It's quite, it's quite fascinating to be able to see, for example, during Prime Times, Villa Miller VS, Go, Go Miller VS, uh, quite <laughs> dominant. Uh, but also on other servers like Emerald, for example, they're quite balanced, which is interesting because you know there's, there's massive outfits like SK, SKL that are basically the entire faction during those times, and uh-huh. usually you know big surfics like like Dig and SKL tend to have a lot more people to their command and can, if directed correctly, can actually really be a powerful force and alert. So yeah, it's quite interesting to see all the different dynamics on each server and how they work and all that good stuff. Yeah, there's a lot here, man. And, you know, you and I chatted offline briefly. Like, there's so much potential with this kind of thing. Like, when I look at um, these these kinds of numbers, the first thing that I, I see is, like, you know, well, I, I remember being a kid and getting obsessed. There, there's a time in my life where I was obsessed with baseball. Um, right. This is, like, before before I figured out the internet. But I was obsessed with baseball and because I, I love the stats and the numbers. I literally woke up before school every morning to watch ESPN. And I was the first guy on my little league team who could, ca- who could figure out each, uh, my friend's batting averages. And I thought that was so badass. So I have a lifelong mm. love of statistics. And it's one of those things that can kind of transform like a fun game into something that feels a little bit more like a sport, I think. Mm. I don't yeah, know absolutely. if you um, have, have seen, but uh, uh, Shockter, uh, a Planet Side 2 streamer, shout out to him. He started this event recently where he puts two, um, you know, infantry gods up up against each other with some rules on the live server and says, "All right, three, two, one, go! You have whoever gets two hundred kills first wins," and right. that's just counting a stat. It's not right. territory control. It's not even alerts, but it shows the power of a number. Is that fighting each other or fighting different people like like farmers kind of thing? <clears throat> Actually, they don't fight each other at all. <clears throat> they play on the same right. faction. And it's it's basically who can farm the most kills the most efficiently. Yeah, I was and... gonna say because because the funny story. Yeah, sorry, slight sidetrack, but uh, when I was testing the original version of Base to Alerts, uh-huh. the only place I could test it was on the live servers, right? So uh-huh. to test team kills and stuff in really small sort of environments, I got a couple of volunteers in to help me do it. I actually got banned. <laughs> uh, I I got banned for stat padding. Ironically, it's it obviously trips some sort of automated system. Uh, thankfully, I reached out to Radar X, the community manager at the time, and he he, he said, "Oh, absolutely, we'll we'll, we'll get rid of that. <laughs> and, uh, we'll give you access to Jaeger. Here you go." So I've got uh, my personal account's got access to Jaeger now, nice. which is quite cool. It's really nice of the devs that they uh, are quite appreciated that some of the stuff they do is is really nice to people like like myself and other API devs that mm-hmm. you know make tools for this game. Um, How's it been working with the uh, the Planet Side Two development team? They're, they're actually a really bunch of good guys. They're busy as all hell. Uh, you've got to kind of choose your moments when you approach them. Um, yeah, it, otherwise, like, you know, when we had Andy, for example, I'd shoot an email to Andy. He, in best of his ability, could get stuff sorted. Um, Andy Sites, right? Yeah, Andy Sites, yeah. Uh, I've recently been discussion with Rel and Chris. Uh, understandably, they're very busy at the minute, so they're not being as, you know, as able to do stuff, but, you know, it's... It's early days. Uh, they're obviously getting settled into new positions at uh, yeah. uh, Rogue Planet, so you know it's 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 totally fine that these kind of things 
uh, don't go as top priority on their lists, which, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, all kudos to them, really. What kind of things were on your wish list from them? Um, so, actually, a recent development, uh, past week or so, uh, so the community, so there's actually quite a, quite a nice community of API developers like myself who interact with Census, which is uh, the game's, there's two actually two flavors of it. There's the REST API, which you can fire something off, get information like about a character, a weapon, or, right, right. or whatever. Um, and there's the streaming API, which is what I normally exclusively use, um, which is, you know, every single time that's what recursion uses. I'm sure many people have heard of recursion. Yeah. Uh, that's what that uses, what my system uses to detect if someone's died or a basis flipped or whatever in real time. So, yeah, uh, I'm in regular contact with the API, API people on. Uh, DBG, not RPG, but DBG, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, I, I'm quite conversed with them. Uh, recently, as I was mentioning, this uh, this group of API developers, uh, the community API developers, we've recently collated a list of stuff that uh, we're not overly happy with, or you know, new features that could be added, bugs in the API, stuff like that. Uh, I just got today actually an email thanking me for the list, and uh, they're looking at it in the nice. status meetings. Uh, I think today actually, so. Yeah, it's nice that they're acknowledging, at least acknowledging, maybe not doing anything about it because obviously it's prioritization. You know, as a software dev myself, I know things like that. Sometimes, you know, when you've got an option of making money versus fixing something that only a few people have complained about, yeah, fair enough. Priorities. Um, yeah. But they've acknowledged it at least, so we're fine with that. As long as we get some sort of notification that, you know, it's been looked at and, yeah, go from there, really. Kind of a no promises thing, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. You mentioned just a moment ago that you have a have a day job. Is this what you do for your uh, primary occupation as well? <clears throat> this kind of stuff. So I'll say, so I'll say what name who I work for, but uh, I do work for a broadcasting company in mm-hmm. the, the UK, uh, and my my day job is mainly about uh, um, so cloud servers, cloud infrastructure. Uh, it's basically called uh, like DevOps uh, side of engineers, like working for AWS. Uh, all that good, nice techie stuff. Uh, it's quite, uh, it's quite interesting the way that I have the power to destroy a business with a simple, bu- single button press. It's, uh, <laughs> it's scary, but also that's why. Where's the button? Further, Show also. us on the camera. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a big red button called Delete Database Cluster in uh, <laughs> DynamoDB. Anyway, yeah, yeah drop the good old Jimmy tables, drop them all. <laughs> yeah, so uh, well, that's what I do. Yeah. The power to destroy, uh, to destroy, and and to create, I think, as well. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. We're we're in a, you mentioned about technology, so we're in a, we're in an interesting period in our lives, really, where it's all of the precipice of technology in terms of the internet and all that stuff, where you know you can build entire businesses on the cloud. Excuse mm-hmm. me. For you know, you have traditional racks, and you have to get somebody in to rack it up and all that. Whereas that would take months to do. Mm-hmm. Whereas now. You can literally build AWS satellite ground stations in the space of an hour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can have satellites in orbit, and you can communicate them within the space of an hour. Mm-hmm. Probably mm-hmm. not an hour, but in theory, you could. Yeah, uh, it, it's nuts what uh, companies like AWS is there and all those guys what they're doing. It's crazy. So, yeah, if you want to be a startup, now is the time um, because the infrastructure that you'd need for your IT stuff is absolutely taken care of by these people. So, yeah. That's exciting, man. So Might speaking of exciting things, <laughs> speaking of exciting things, planet side alerts. 
Mm-hmm. So, for our non-planet side viewers, what is a planet side alert within the game itself? So, an alert is essentially a capture the map system. So, you know, um, basically, who's got the most base mm-hmm. by either end of forty-five or one and a half hours. Um, obviously, if you play the game, you understand that you know there's a timer at the top right. Uh, but essentially, it's like a mini game matches. Essentially, um, what these do are you could you could consider it as basically like battlefield matches. Uh, so your match starts. You've got one and a half hours to take the uh, the continent or get the most territory. Whoever you know, whoever gets the most gets the uh, the benefit or locks the continent. They get a reward boost, like in terms of in the, in, in the game ISO mm-hmm. inserts. Um, and also, right now, it goes on the website as a win. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, so so Planet Side Two, a game that's uh, kind of structurally about territorial control, mm-hmm. um, and this the alerts instantiate that ter- ter- territory control. It lets it lets there be a winner every certain amount of time, and there are rules about when the alerts start and when they end, etc. Um, but currently within the game, there's no the only kind of thing that persists alert to alert is the individual player and their progress. What your website is doing is it's giving some persistence to those alerts after they've elapsed. That's, that's bigger than the individual player. That's about the outfits. That's about the factions. Um, how have you seen people interact with that data? Um, it's interesting, actually. It's really interesting. So you, you have the camper people that really do not care about alerts whatsoever uh-huh. and could not care. But you get the other camper people that you know, really, really like it and like to know what's going on with their factions and their, uh, their empire in general and overall the balance of, the, uh, of everyone else. Uh-huh. You get those other individuals that really like their stats and want to know on an outfit player basis how their outfit is doing, which... Right. Doesn't the, the website currently doesn't do that just yet? You can see the top ten, top one thousand people on a server or globally or whatever. Um, I do have plans to expand that and uh, make it so that you can search for your own outfit and see all the players in the outfit and see all their stats and mm-hmm. all that stuff. So that's coming. Uh, it's just a bit of work, um, but yeah, you can. Yeah, it's 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 totally expandable. And, do uh, uh... People from the community send you uh, like like wish lists for stuff they would like to see on the website, or do you mainly work from uh, just something that you and your and people you play with know that you want? So, I quite regularly talk to my fellow Diglets, uh, my oh, outfit mates on on stuff like that. Shout out to but, Dig, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, shout out to yeah, Dig. Show the shirt. There it is. Yeah, go Dig logo <laughs> shirt. There. It's called Kevin. Uh, there's a little story about that. Dolphin? In a it's a dolphin. Yeah. What does Dig stand for? <laughs> Uh, dignity of War, ah. uh, which has nothing to do with dolphins, but okay, yeah, uh, sure. Well, there is. There, I'll slightly digress. There, there was actually a dolphin link. Uh, there was a a dolphin ops logo in the game, which ah. we didn't design our own logo. We just picked, and for years we had that. But then we decided to actually make a logo, and we're, thanks to a little diplomatic manoeuvrings, I managed to get it in the game as well. So uh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, yes. Yeah, so yeah, essentially. A lot of people come to to me privately and ask for things. There's a there's a Discord server, uh, which I hope you'll put in your in your video. Absolutely. Um, uh, which people it's also on the website as well. It's just at the top. So there's a little Discord link as well, mm-hmm. uh, which people can join uh, to offer feedback. Uh, there's the ability to 
sign up for the feedback squad, uh, which allows you to, uh, I occasionally ping it and say, right guys, I've released this. What do you like the look of it? Do you think it works? Do you think it's not working? What would you do? Stuff like that. So actually there's opportunity as a player to give realist, actual realistic feedback to me directly. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's other devs that help out with the site as well, but it's primarily like probably 95% of you that's doing it mm-hmm. at the moment. So, so yeah, you get the opportunity to absolutely shape it. Um, and if there's things that I've blatantly missed, or if there's something that I've not captured, then just say so, and I'll add it to the list. You go, uh, there's a hit them up so on, on, on the on the same website as well. Uh, I don't know if you want to scroll up on the on the old uh, feed. Yeah, what do you want there's to show? Link. Yeah, if you just scroll over to the top. Uh, there's a like all the way. There's a there's a link. There you go. So a link just underneath the stats button. There says GitHub, uh, which is the where all my sort of features and all the sort of upcoming stuff and bugs or whatever are, are located. Um, so there you see all the individual things. But if you click on website, uh, that is the, the primary thing for uh, the website itself where you can sort of report issues or uh, if you just go to issues as well, you can sort of like see a list of features and all the stuff I'm planning to do and stuff like that. And if you're interested, all the code. It's Ooh, all streamer source. Overlay, right at the top. Yeah, That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, we can talk about that if you want. Yeah, um, it's getting a bit of a rehaul, re- re- overhaul, should I say? But uh, mm-hmm. there's a basic version of it at the moment, which I've showed to uh, Commander Sirius and Archie TV. Shout mm-hmm. out to those guys; they're yeah. uh, they're doing an absolute great job of keeping the game alive and keeping it going. Love those um, guys. Yeah. So the intention is uh, to essentially create a almost an esports casting system where. Uh, I don't know if you watched the old server smashes way back in the day, but oh. uh, I developed those overlays uh, back way back then. Um, oh, okay. And we had um, we had like popular not not populations. Did we have populations? I think we had populations uh, at the very least kills and top weapons and all that uh, on the actual broadcast, which was at the time quite phenomenal. Um, now there's obviously stuff like lane smash, which have their own overlays and stuff like that. So yeah, it's. Uh, you know, there's some talented people in this community that you know want to make great. esports systems. So my my design is essentially having like um like the games in the corner, but the top top and the top well, sorry top and the left of it it'll rotate through various stats mm-hmm. like um, top players and outfits and all that good stuff that you would normally see in the website, but a bit more of a condensed sort of format. Um, That's very cool. So so the intent is people can just plop their game on, in a certain box and it would then just loop through um, all the statistics and the territory control, obviously, and all that, and, like, announcements when bases are captured and all that good stuff. So That's badass, dude. I love that. I think that, yeah, like, yeah. one of the... Planet Side 2, like, just has so much great base guts. And um, the ability to surface some of the incredible stories that are actually happening that are so hard to capture just looking at the game because you need so much sophistication and understanding of what's going on in order to understand it bring in mm-hmm. that extra information those numbers makes it easier to, to paint a story you can see territory slowly shifting sides you can see certain players racking up tons and tons of kills you can see mm-hmm. certain outfits having a m- movement on the map that's what creates the the planet side war stories right their their, mm. their marketing mm. campaign that's the the idea of the game yeah. to me that's that's what makes um it great and unique compared to all the other great lobby shooters that are out there I mean mm. you can play an Overwatch you can play a Counter Strike you can play any of those games even like a Fortnite 
Well, battle royales are better at doing that than than lobby shooters, but Planet Side is like the 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 biggest shooter you can play in terms of scope, mm. and um, it creates the most room to have those moments. So being able to describe those moments um, from a numbers perspective and having people like the Archies, like the Tomato Seriouses, the other folks out there who are doing that. Uh, I just mentioned Shockter. Um, Kamikaze, I think, did some casting last year as well, and I'm sure everyone else who I'm forgetting. But like mm -hmm. that, that combination um, gives the game an understandable presentation, mm -hmm. which is both hyping and make and makes is makes it more sticky for people who already play it, and yeah. makes it legible to outsiders. Yeah, absolutely. which is a big problem to solve. It's interesting you mentioned that actually because. Like if if I if I had a magic wand and could sort of orchestrate what happens at DBG, I'd say oh, like this. If if the MP if the new player experience is fixed first, uh, and, and we have a solid foundation, an ingress of players that understand kind of what they need to do. Uh, the tutorial that we've got at the minute does it okay, but it's it certainly doesn't explain quite a lot of things. The devs know that. I'm not <laughs> saying anything new. Uh, if we can nail that after Outfit Wars, maybe, and then we need to market the living bleep out of it, you know, and get people in the game, I think that is the pathway, or one of the pathways of success with the game. Um, it, it, it's, it's always kind of suffered from a lack of marketing, which, if I'm personally being kind of judgmental, I guess, uh, is primarily because I don't think they, they're fully confident that you know, the game could handle a, a massive surge of players, right? So you've got four continents. They have a, at maximum 900 players in each uh, continent. If, for example, you've got 3,000 people all of a sudden playing an emerald, for example, uh, it could topple. <laughs> yeah, and then you emeralds have fused, which creates a bad experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, emerald's hamsters are a little tired at the moment. Poor emerald. Poor uh, emerald hamsters. Yeah. yeah, and um, you know, more increasingly modern games that that share some of the DNA with Planet Side, where you have big worlds that you share with a lot of people, uh, have adopted mega server kind of technology, where where you're playing, where uh, where the actual um, the way in which your gameplay is staged technologically is a little bit uh, opaque to the player, as opposed yeah. to this model, which is a more old school model where you pick a realm. I play on the Emerald Realm. I play on the the Illidan Realm. I play on the whatever yeah. realm. Like this is this is my version of the world. Um, so yeah, it's and uh, a lot of people like there was the the World of Warcraft Classic resurgence we recently saw back in 2019. I know you said you're not a WoW guy, but uh, the modern uh, version of World of Warcraft is very different. When is has all the great mega server technology I just talked about make it very easy uh, right now in world of warcraft unless you're a top end player your realm selection literally doesn't matter it yeah. doesn't change anything about the way you play the game um and uh but it loses that feeling of sharing a world with a certain with certain players you don't run into the same people over and over again it's it's a lot more people but your connections are much smaller and shorter so it's a trade-off. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I was an avid player of Eve Online way back in the day. Oh, wow. Uh, Big nerd in the house. Oh, yeah. I, I have 3,000 <laughs> hours represented on Eve Online. Shit. My God, what have I done with my life? I love it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, 
you're completely right. So you've got you know your sharded servers, which is Flat Side Two, and you you know your your persistent world version, which mm-hmm. is Eve Online, and all that. It's interesting you mention it because Eve Online, while you you have obviously a lot more people to play with, you're talking hundreds of thousands of people, right? Versus you know maybe ten thousand. It's nice that knowing that your actions influence the world mm-hmm. in in a big way. It can be in a massive way. Like a great great example I know of is a guy that was one of the heads of an out, uh, an alliance in Eve mm-hmm. had access to billions and billions and billions of ISKs worth of equipment. Okay, he just decided one day to just go completely nuts and just took all of the stuff out of the alliance hangers and kept it for himself. He Annihilated the outfit in one action. It's nuts, absolutely nuts. And yeah, it, it's it's quite cool that you know players in games like that that are kind of designed for that have those kind of influences. It's a pity that Platzhead Two doesn't have such a thing. Um, but also, you probably wouldn't want it. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is having those things is uh, it it creates uh, it, it it adds a lot more risk to the player experience. It means that. Yeah. Like, I feel like a lot of modern games, like, the worst kind of experience you can have is kind of boredom. You're never really suffering. You're never really in pain. You never, nothing's really going wrong. Either you're having a good time or you're bored. But, like, with with what you just said, I think a lot of the people who are connected to that guy and relying on those resources would have felt miserable and awful and terrible. And so you risk those low lows, but it maybe it surfaces the ability to have high highs too. So you have the, Mm. the, the wider amplitude. Which is a, it's a decision you make, right? In terms of Absolutely, what yeah. you want your players to experience, and also like, uh, and uh, we can bring this back around to Planetside a little bit, in my opinion too, because Planetside is one of those games that, by virtue of its design as an open world, fully PvP shooter game, um, you're always all the worst players are always sharing the same world with all the best players. And uh, you have this situation where it can be fairly brutal to get your first, you know, thousand kills in Planet Side to get over the hump to be like, okay, I, I get what this game is doing, I get what it's good for, and um, I have my thoughts on the new player experience, which I think are a little different than most. But um, I think in a way, Planet Side has some of those Eve-like qualities where you can really have some low fucking lows and some high highs. I think the thing that's come closest to that is the alerts. Um, you know, being able the, the euphoria that you get as a commander of like of a platoon, basically working together with your fellow outfit mates or other outfits, the whole faction, even. Yeah. When you win an alert at the clutch moments of like five seconds, right at the end. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh my god, we did it! You know. <laughs> uh, or, or the, or the flip side, you get these these moments. As I say, these moments where you just, just lose that, I don't know, Burgess Overlook or Seabed Listening right in the last second, and there's tons of people on this single one minute base because everyone knows that's the other base that could be touched. Uh, um, those moments for me in Part Side are just godlike. There's no nothing else in any FPS shooter ever I've ever seen. Yeah, Battlefield certainly not Call of Duty. Um, other games might come slightly close, but nothing compares to having 800 people all scrambling towards a point, uh-huh. all getting nuked and all striked and all sorts of shenanigans <laughs> in a single match. <laughs> it's nuts. And that's that's what br- keeps bringing me back to it, is those moments where you just go, 
oh my god what is going on <laughs> yeah. but that's the thing sometimes on the flip side it, it scares people like some people just want to play call of duty kind of games where it's like right i've got a match and i go shoot people i've got to get the most whatever it's not, it doesn't appeal to me like I, i'm more of the strategic sort of level yeah i think i think Black Side 2 is a bit more of a, a first person shooter uh command and conquer almost mm-hmm. uh so you know obviously as a, as, a, as an outfit lead like myself uh i guess not many people get to experience this too much but you know the ability to sort of work with people to say right we're going to take this guys this is how we're going to do it this is what i want you know blah 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 get it done and people get it usually nine times out of ten people do what you tell them to mm-hmm. especially if you understand what you're on about and you know that that sort of not a sense of power but a sense of you know Holy crap! These guys are actually listening to me. I'm some nerd in in some cave somewhere, uh-huh. you know, telling these guys what to do, right? And actually, holy hell, they're actually listening. Um, That's the dream, you know, it, like working yeah. with people, like to get something done, and you're successful. Like that's the, yeah. like if you're in a leadership job, that's that's the that's the W you're going for. Absolutely, yeah. and 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 that persists beyond the end of the alert, and you you bring it into the next one. Absolutely, and this is partially why I built the site, is persistence. The game had no persistence, and I thought it was a massive hole that the game did not have the ability to show how well people are doing in these alerts. Mm-hmm. And obviously, they, they must have spent tons of time making the alert system. Like, it, I remember back in the day when they didn't have them, uh, way back in the day, and the game eventually just got kind of stale. It's just like it was forever fighting over like Indar at the time. Yeah, yeah, the um, crown. Yeah, the crown. And it's just like, what am I doing? So I was really glad that they brought them in. God knows when it was. Uh, 2015, I think they brought them in. Mm-hmm. Um, and they actually brought in like multi-continental alerts. So one of them is like, for example, capture all biolabs. So this at the time there was Amrish, Esamir, and Indar. No Hossin. Um and for those three, yeah, you had to capture all, all the facility types, which is really cool. And I think we had a, I think there was, like, multi-continental alerts, and you got to win, like, each one. Mm-hmm. It, it was kind of kind of crazy mm-hmm. uh, stuff. And I wish, they kind of wish they'd bring it back, but I don't think they've got, I, I don't know why they've not done it yet, but it's kind of a shame, really. But, yeah, I might see them back. Uh, they, may, they may overhaul the alert better, which, if they do, great, because it means I've got stuff to do. But, uh, yeah, I'd like to see something like that. Definitely. So, I'm curious. You said that one of the problems you really wanted to solve with the site was persistence. Um, yeah. I, I wonder when you first started going down the path of um, looking at the data, sh- figuring out how to show it, if anything about the data, um, like, what what has surprised you? That, what, what's come out of the data that, that, that surprised you, I guess? How many people are not in an outfit? <laughs> really? It's yeah, it's it's shocking how many people are not in outfits. So if you you can probably view it actually. If you go on the outfit page, uh-huh. uh, I dem- I demonstrate uh, no outfit people uh, as like double dash no outfit. You can see there see double dash non. Only SQL SQL, oh, the big Zerfix space. Okay, SQL TCW two the wildcards and Dig and the boys from Cobalt. All of there anywhere close to being on top because of the membership, right? Mm-hmm. And I understand that. A lot of people have said this to me that, you know, it's very Zerg heavy, the statistics in a minute. I totally understand that. I'm yeah. going to address that. Uh, I'm going to start logging how many people are in these outfits and how many have tracked. You can start to do like 
KD per outfit member or whatever. Sure. To sort of see like the the topper sort of you know uh, more skilled players, uh, more skilled outfits. Yeah, it's nuts. How many people are not in outfits? And I don't know if that's a game design problem where people just don't know how to see them, or if it's a thing of just people just don't want to be in one and just want to solo it. But th- there's undeniable proof that being in an outfit and being amongst your fellow comrades in battle is a much different experience than doing it solo. Mm-hmm. Some people absolutely want to do it solo, no problem against that, but in terms of player retention, in terms of player enjoyment and uh, overall engagement, it's much better, it's kind of obvious, it's much better being in an outfit and you know being involved because people... People like being in groups. It, we're social animals. Like humans are social animals. They like Absolutely. being in groups. Yeah. Unless you're some cave troll under the bridge that doesn't care about anyone. But uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. Generally speaking, that 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 is the way to go. Um, and that's the thing. If people weren't in outfits, they they don't. They'll just stop playing the game. Simply being because they've got nothing to fight for. Yeah, this is a, a shame. There's a very well-known principle of stickiness when it comes to marketing, especially video games, which is if you get people involved in a gaming community, that game becomes much more sticky with that player. And they're a lot more likely to engage with it and especially engage with the things that require them to open their wallets, which is Mm -hmm. the business part of the equation. Um, You know, I think one of the more interesting ways to look at that problem you're talking about with with the outfitless players, and I'm sure that these stats don't exist, but... Um, I like to think, I, I kind of like, like to see the problem as a general problem, not just necessarily a planet side problem. Because my observation, gaming online over the last 20 years, is that in general, gaming has moved towards a place that where multiplayer experiences are, there's a much higher emphasis on solo friendliness, just in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and a much higher emphasis on giving people access to the game and letting them figure out what their level of payment is going to be for each individual person. You can play Planetside totally for free. You can buy cosmetics or not. You can you can subscribe. Um, what's the monthly subscription called? Subscription, I guess? Mem- membership. Membership, that's the word. You can be a member or not. Um, whereas like Planetside 1 followed the old like WoW model of everyone who plays Planetside 1 is a subscriber. 15 bucks a month, period. You got other SOE games too, I think were bundled in. But, um, and um, that also was a game that also was very hostile towards uh, friend, towards solo play, just in terms of the way it was designed. It was very hard to get anything done by yourself because um, respawning was so punishing and getting, to, getting around the world was a much bigger deal. And um, there was a much higher premium on transportation because redeploy was not a thing um and because the entire world which was not four continents it was like 12 or something like that plus a cave system mm-hmm. was yeah. always open all the time so there could be fights anywhere in the world yeah um so why the question that that yields up to my mind is why have we moved away from an experience that's built more towards social animals mm-hmm. towards that's more open. Like what, what's the virtue of that kind of approach? And I'm not necessarily posing that to you. I'm just putting, putting that out, but do you have any thoughts about that process and how things have changed? Um, I think a lot of it is due to 
sort of realizing that there's more casual players now. People are very used to having a sort of drop in, drop out experience with like Apex and mm-hmm. Fortnite and all that. So I understand, like, for example, obviously the devs recently have brought in the mission system. So the mission system uh, provides a lot actually for solo players and the objectives to give them objectives to do stuff. And you new don't players. tend to, see, yeah, absolutely. And new players give them direction, stuff like that. But you don't tend to see stuff that you tend to do in groups. They actually did introduce. Um, a mission, I believe, if I get this right, where you had to go from the warp gate as like a sunderer column. Uh, uh-huh. And that didn't really work right well because it sent you to bases that had no fights on them and stuff. But, <laughs> it's a know, neat idea, though. Sunderer column, great, 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 great for trying. Uh, absolutely <laughs> fine. I think, if, I think if that mover, like, marker moved dynamically towards the front, then yeah, uh-huh. great. But, uh, you know, that's absolute kudos to whoever designed that and whoever put it in there, you know. Great, stop it! Absolutely, keep it coming. Like with players like us, we will ha- we will happily tell you if something's wrong. The vast majority of us, like me, would tell you constructively something's wrong. But a lot of people would say this is shit, you know, whatever, <laughs> and, uh, and 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 you know, not be as constructive. Which I think, unfortunately, happens in every community. It's um, I think it's just a problem about... Well, it's not a problem. It's more about the passion of the gamers, the, the passion of the fan base, mm-hmm. where I think sometimes, unfortunately, some people don't keep their you know, politeness in check or constructiveness in check, I guess, and just mind-dump things, which aren't probably overly constructive. Um, yeah. No, on the, on the other the, hand, though, sometimes people, I think, conflate rudeness with honesty, you know? Yeah. And sometimes kindness with, with dishonesty. It's a, it's a yeah, complicated absolutely. landscape and when you're communicating, especially with a lot of people, especially if you're out in public like we are, like what we're doing right now. Um, one of the things that you just said that really uh, resonated a bell for me was about how gaming has become more casual. And to me, I, I associate that with gaming just a lot bigger. It's mm. like, I, I, wouldn't, I don't know what the numbers are, but gaming's like more than 10 times bigger than it was when Planet Side 1 was relevant. Um, I think a lot. I think a lot of that is down to, as I said, like Fortnite and you know, advertising more to a younger audience, getting them more in, in, engaged in games and stuff like that. Whereas I guess I don't know how old you are, but I'm I'm 28, approaching 29 now, and I remember back in the and the, I remember back in the day when I played games, I was playing very niche games. One of them is like a like a Roman building game, but there was no there was no real like online apart from Unreal Tournament, maybe there's an exception, but there's no real online multiplayer games to play. There was a few, but nothing to this scale. No one near to the Plants Side 2 scale. Interesting. Uh, Interesting. There was, there was Battlefield 2142, which probably could get there. I think it was about 50-50 players for that one, I think, if uh-huh. I remember right. But might be 25. Um, but yeah, there was, there was nothing anywhere close. And I think Plants Side 2, in its sense, uh, introduced a whole new market. Well, not a whole new market, but certainly a big contender in the market of large-scale combat. Um, and there's other games like the Squad and I guess now Hell Let Loose and stuff like that. Now World War Two variant Squad, essentially, that kind of have the same kind of vibe but certainly not the level of oh my god, you've got this massive map. Uh, how, where do we go and mm-hmm. how do we do this and working with literally hundreds of other people on your team against mm-hmm. hundreds of other people. You know, it's nuts. Um, there's nothing like it. Um, 
and <laughs> I can see why there's nothing like it because I can imagine it's a lot to do. <laughs> yeah. Like there's, there's no there's no like everyone bitches and moans about you know server performance and stuff like that. We just got to remember under the technology under the hood what it's actually doing. It it's it's tracking every bullet that is fired from a gun and who it's going to hit. I know a lot of it's client side, but some of them are, are entirely server side stuff, which it's a lot. <laughs> I can't imagine what the case yeah. for that. It's nuts. Yeah, you know, I was watching a documentary recently about EverQuest, mm-hmm. um, which has some common DNA with Planet Side in that they were both children of Sony Online Entertainment, and were both were both, uh, I think, kind of ushered in by John Smedley, who now works mm-hmm. at Amazon Game Studios, and Smed has, I think had a legacy at that time of being someone who made big ideas in games and very gamer focused, very like, I want to see this idea be real. Um, since I got, when I was watching that documentary is that EverQuest was not made as like, uh, it was made as a studio that produced sports games for planet side console. I mean, for, for PlayStation, like right. that's not what that studio did. Smed just kind of snuck it in because him and his buddies liked D and D a lot. And they wanted right. to see it in a video game. And right. they just kind of, they asked for, they asked for a penny and they spent a pound and they made it work. And then another right. studio within, within, within uh, Sony picked them up uh, right when, uh, I think it was 949 Studios dropped them. And Planetside 1 also is one of those games that's just like, a, I want to have a shared world shooter, an MMO shooter with a thousand, with a thousand people and vehicles. Mm. Screw it, I want it. Mm. And, um, Planetside 2, of course, continues that. Like, it's it's one of these games that is, I think, it's the only member of what I consider to be a still a still immature genre, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, I think there are a lot of great examples of fantastic games that are polished experiences in what are now fairly mature genres. I look at the Battle Royale space, and I see it that way. Um mm. It's it's hard to break into battle royale anymore. I think Planet Side Arena showed that. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, look, look at how much trouble people have had duplicating World of Warcraft success. MMO fantasy tab target MMO is also a very mature genre. Mm-hmm. Um, and this genre of massive PvP shooters like this is uh, it's ahead of its time. I think. I think it's still ahead of its time in many ways. And unfortunately, some of that gets reflected with the technology because it actually is trying to do something, as you said, something very hard. Mm. And I think that one of the cool things about being in an immature genre, what I like, what, I'm, what attracts me to it, is the fact that it kind of puts some of the responsibility for making the experience back on the community. It puts yeah. it on the maelstroms of the world or helping run a big outfit and make tools for players to tell stories about their games. Um, I yeah. played with outfits in the last couple of years who, after an alert, will go and look at the stats as an outfit to see who got the most revives as medic, who had the most headshots, and they'll celebrate each other. Like, that was a, yeah. that's a big part of the fun. Did they outfrag this other outfit that they fucking hate? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, those kinds of things are very important when you're still all making the game. And I think having a more, people who want a more passive experience, they want a lobby shooter, like a Call of Duty. Mm. Those are 
great things to engage. Like, I think players kind of sort themselves out into what kind of experience they want. I actually yeah. just um, played uh, uh, the new retail expansion for World of Warcraft with a buddy of mine. And he's a more, I like him. He's like a really good, good friend of mine, but he's, he's kind of a more passive player. Like he'll play yeah. the expansion up to the point where it's like, okay, now I got to like really concentrate hard. I got to like play with a group. I have to show up on certain nights a week. I got to really plan out my character. And th at that point he's like, all right, I'm good. Whereas for me, that's like when it gets interesting. Like, I want that experience. I want to lean way the fuck in, you know? And and I can tell that... Uh, well, I, I'm assuming that you're one of those guys, too. Well, ironically, even though I've made a website all about statistics and how well I'm doing as a player, actually, as a player myself, I'm not massively into it uh, in terms of, like, I don't know, my KD, for example. Like, I've got a reasonably decent KD. It's a respectable 1.8, but... I know some people like get depressed if they're below two, you know stuff like that. Uh -huh. So yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's ironic that uh, man. <laughs> that. KD is a tyrant. KD is a tyrant. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it's it's one of those things that you're completely right. You you craft your own experience. Um, uh, PS2 has a lot of sandbox elements to it. It's purposely made so that there is no overall objective to it other than what you make it which i think's one of its qualities rather than but that's the thing it takes a certain player to understand oh there's no there's no win condition how right. do i win this yeah that's the thing that fast had two you cannot win and it's quite cleverly crafted in the law why that is uh if i remember correctly i'm sure somebody will dm me on discord or somewhere <laughs> saying ah no that's wrong uh, I believe it's something to do with, like, you know, essentially uh, the, 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 the warp gates rotate constantly and unlock. Ah, something to do with that, I think, if I remember. I'm right. sure there's a good lore justification. We're seeing more lore come into the game to better explain that stuff. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the campaign system uh, is quite an interesting thing. So, like, I I'll be fully honest uh, campaign season one, uh, chapter one, sorry. It's great. It was a great introduction, great different pace of the game. Uh, I think it was really mostly well executed. <coughs> Space carrots. Uh, but, you know, they they had a stab at it, and they, I think it's a success. Um, I think some may what disagree with this. What about it was successful for you? What did you like about it? For me, it's more adding a story. Adding, okay. adding something to the game that's just more than just, oh, you got a man, shoot. Um, kind of thing. Okay. Like alerts, alerts are good as as well, but they don't drive anything forward other than well, I guess now you've got the you know the, the overall meta game that I've created, but also it doesn't really have much of an effect on the way you play the game, right? So you know you'll you'll get better at shooting people, blah blah blah, but eventually it, you, you kind of get it's kind of becomes a bit samey. Yeah, which is and... why originally. And when it becomes samey, you go to things like simplifying your experience down to a KD ratio. Yeah, which is a trap that it. I've fallen into too. Or as you get more sophisticated, maybe you're looking at things like kills per minute or your IVI score. There are all kinds yeah. of metrics that you can. And I'm going to use the word tyrannize because I felt like I've tyrannized myself with them in the past. Mm. And uh, like for me, my experience of playing Planet Side in recent history was I got very excited when Outfit Wars was first announced. I thought it was mm -hmm. very cool to hear about that. Um, mm -hmm. 
And that encouraged me to jump back into the game. And I did so. And I played with an outfit um, alongside an outfit who was doing it. And then I got to a point where I was like, you know what? I am never going to be... I'm never going to live up to the standard of skill in this game that for me would feel like making the experience worthwhile because the hill I have to climb to match up with the other people who are really good is very, is very steep. You can climb it and I could too, but like for me, that's just not what, what actually floats my boat. And that's actually when I chose to peel off and focus more on what I'm doing here with you today, doing the interviews, doing the chats. And, uh, for me, like, I still will play Planetside. I still have fun, but it's easier for me to enjoy it because I know my job is to have a good experience and ingest it so that I can talk, have these kinds of conversations and um, explore the meaning of it all, man. Absolutely. I mean, you'll, you'll, you'll have 99% of the player base not do what we're doing right now. Um, that 1% are the people that you need to keep kind of happy in the sense that, you know, if you email devs and request support and something that, you know, I'm going to say this is probably the wrong way of saying it, but the devs should probably jump over backwards to help people like that because they are the people that give your game purpose for a lot of players. It's undeniable that, you know, streamers, content creators like yourself, like me, uh, people that have built various tools, which I think we're going to go into in a, bit, a little bit in a second, but um that have created tools for this game has spent months of their free time. So it took me nine nine months of my own time to finish Pierce of Alerts and yeah. completely from the ground up bring it back, get it in a good state to where it is today, and uh you know, revive it. And I literally named uh named the project Project Revive. because uh-huh. it's uh it, it fell from grace. It, it's obviously if people remember in 2015, you know, it was kicking and kicking alive. 2015, I think it collected in total about 44,000 alerts at, at one point. Um, but I fell out of love with the game at the time and uh, just stopped playing. And, you know, you get to that sort of period where, you know, you're moving jobs, which is what happened to me. You're moving jobs around and you just got to balance between do Were I fall playing the game at the time or did you just take a break from it all? I was kind of playing it, but then at the time, a little bit of stress entered my life. Um, what really going to it, but essentially you got that balance of work, other things, and playing the game, and you know the game went down. It's yeah. Unfortunately, it happens. It happens. Yeah. It, it's one of those hard. It's hard, one of the hardest decisions in my life to just go. I'm done. I'm not supporting the site anymore. Um, yeah. And that's primarily down to the fact that that was about five years ago, and I didn't know how to code for shit. <laughs> Whereas now, uh, so is it more I like a frustration a thing? Like you felt like you had just bitten off more than you can chew at the time and you no, have a lot of other a, stuff going on in your life yeah it's a combination it was more of oh my god i've literally the four and a half thousand line file which i had to maintain just one file it was nice. nuts it, nice. it, it was yeah this is what you get when uh, a junior developer thinks that you can take on something of that magnitude <laughs> um, who so yeah. This? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, it's publicly viewable. If you want to see my shitty code, absolutely go for it. Okay. I put in massive, massive letters above saying, "This is all code. Do not judge me." Abandon hope, happen. all ye who enter here. Yeah, exactly. It was at one point six and a half thousand lines, but I managed to condense it down. Uh, but anyway, digressing. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's one of those things that you know, people like us 
not, I won't say keep the game alive, but we certainly give it a lot more purpose to those that want to have more purpose in it. So these, what, 22 people are watching the stream right now, they're all here in either, you know, interest of what you do or I do or the game in general. You know, those people need to be cherished and, and nurtured because those are the people that will spread information about the game, will give it to, say, their friends, you know, butterfly effect, right? You say one person, they tell another, yada, yada, yada. Like, yeah. sometimes mass marketing works, but, you know, when you get those individual people that are really passionate about the game and will sing its praises until the cows come home, you mm-hmm. know, are the people that you absolutely need to look after. Mm-hmm. But if I was if I was a community manager, I'm not saying that <clears throat> I would ever want to be. But uh, if, an if I have a position right now, isn't it? I, I understand that is yes. Mm. Um, no, no, I, it wouldn't work because I live in the UK, and obviously, I, think, I don't think getting You're a coder. Would, would you even want to be a community manager? <sighs> yes and no. You love like, the game too much, Ben. How could you pass it up? Is that what you're thinking? If I got offered it, I would seriously consider it. But uh, no, I think realistically speaking, I think time zones would be a bit of a problem. And me moving to America during the pandemic is probably not the best of Oh, it's a great um, place. Come on over, man. <laughs> Actually, I always wanted to go to America. Maybe not live there, but I know, I know certain people there, and I'd love to meet them in person. But, America's uh, a, a great place to, to visit. There's a lot of country here. A lot of things to see. Get in a car, mm. just go see it. Yeah. yeah. I think once the pandemic's over, certainly we'll try yeah. again. But anyway, um, so you, you've been saying a few things that you said I want to kind of think about uh first that the people who really invest the most um it would be to to the developer's credit to try to honor those investments and i think that that speaks to a a general principle that really you want everyone who engages with your game to feel like their interest is being honored Mm -hmm. whether their interest is i'm gonna log in for a couple hours to try this game for the first time or that interest is I've been playing, I played the game for 2,000 hours, I run an outfit, and I, and I made a website. And I imagine for a studio like RPG, it's hard to manage, it's hard to simultaneously manage, uh, manage not, is not the right word, simultaneously do what they need to do to honor everyone's investment all the time. Yeah, that plays them. Yeah. I think you see a lot of, one of the more interesting emergent community phenomenons I feel like I see, and it's not just a planet side thing, it happens across all live services games that I've ever been a part of, is where you see community splintering along lines of content. Uh, people in an MMO who want to do raids versus people who want to do PvP. Mm-hmm. If, if the PvP community doesn't get fed enough and the raid community gets overfed, the PvP players don't get pissed at the game, they get pissed at the raid players. Yeah, It's this weird thing, and... And planet side, this is a very you, you can manifest that directly because you know the vehicle players will get mad at the infantry players. People who want to play with uh, the big outfits get mad at the at, at the skill ball outfits and accuse them of cheating. People in the skill ball outfits accuse the big outfits of zerging. Like it's it's this um, difficult to manage phenomenon. And I think that this is something else I've been worrying about too lately. Um, one of the things that's changed. Um, I'm not sure how much you've noticed it. Um, so you mentioned you're 27. I'm 37. Um, I started doing online gaming back in the late 90s. So that's like my timeline. Um, one of the things I've really noticed is that when I was first getting involved with online gaming communities, it was before social media. And it was like kind of revolutionary feeling 
like I can like connect with people online over video games. And they felt like an exclusive club of all nerds, mm -hmm. let's be honest. Um, because uh, people not only was doing that in a game unique, but doing it at all was fairly unique. Mm. Social media kind of normalized that, I think. Um, and so it changed the expectations people have. Um, yeah, it became it, it became a commonplace thing rather than niche. Yes, um, like like over time, obviously, like Moore's laws made uh, gaming computers vastly more available to the, the common people, I guess. True. Whereas yeah. before, it kind of used to be a bit of a luxury where you had a gaming machine or anything remotely close to yes being able to play games. I um, remember uh, helping my parents price out computer stuff when I was uh, when I was a teenager. And looking at builds in like the two to three thousand dollar range as being kind of reasonable mm. seeming in the like the yeah. late 90s. And now, if you spend that much, which is worth a lot less money than it was 20 years ago, you get you get a, a, a shit ton of computer for two thousand bucks now. I mean, yeah. maybe not with the GPU shortage we got going, you know, <laughs> asterisk. Yeah, uh, but yeah. um, I think it's interesting to see the things that have emerged as a consequence of changing circumstances. And I think it's probably very hard to honor the entire range of investment. Um, but I do hear what you're saying, that the people who, uh, what's, what's the saying? Um, don't pick a fight with someone who buys ink by the barrel, I think. This is an old like newspaper time saying. Right. It's like uh, the, the people who have the power to control the message around what you what your business does. Don't yeah. fuck with those people. And that's like well, sounds like a threat. I know that's not the what we're, 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 we're the way we're couching it, but there is a reality to this is that the way that games are perceived 20 years ago, and this is what I was trying to say a minute ago when I probably meandered around was controlled by the publishers. Yeah. And there were gaming journalistic outlets, but they were all really, really eating from the, 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 the hand of the publishers back in those days. Technology has changed in such a way that's totally flipped. And now gamers are really in control of the message around games. Look at uh, the way that EA has handled the Star Wars IP, right? Gamers have controlled oh, no. the success yeah. of those efforts in a major way. Yeah. And the fact that EA is losing their exclusive rights to that IP really underlines that fact. Um, and we see yeah. that in Planet Side, of course, too. One of the things I find well, most troubling about, about the whole thing and the way we talk, to, talk about the game and each other is seeing certain developers come under fire and become mm -hmm. scapegoats for aggression within the community. Well, but, this is the thing that... This is a very... I can understand why... People don't jump up and go, oh, I'm going to do that for uh, community manager roles. Because I can imagine if you have 5,000 bitchy mother people, like like <laughs> a lot of people you see in, on Reddit or whatever, uh, yeah, you would probably want to top yourself and uh, whatever. But uh, yeah, uh, it, it's a fine line. Like, you're right in, in terms of, like, just see the GameStop uh, thing, for example. Yeah. Like, there's probably maybe, I don't know, 100,000 people that are in on that, probably more, but... So just for those... posterity, we're talking about the crazy mainstream interest that's been spiked by social media people on Reddit going crazy yeah. over uh, investment banks, I mean, sorry, uh, hedge funds, be the more accurate word.
um, shorting yeah. GameStop and then pumping it up to, 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 to put the screws to those hedge funds. Absolutely. And I think it's fantastic that, you know, the few have power now, as you say, flipped the yeah. power over the wealthy. Yeah. Like the, 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 the man at the bottom, the man, the blue collars, the people that are constantly fighting day in, day out for their survival almost, especially in America, I guess, where, mm-hmm. you know, especially with the pandemic, it's, it, it's nuts. Well, it's everywhere. But I've heard some proper bad things through the news works. But, uh, no, it's it, definitely it, a flashpoint <laughs> here in this country. Absolutely. Yeah. See it every day. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you know, the fact that, you know, it's almost like Robin Hood. Ironically, one of the apps is called Robin Hood. But, uh, yeah. yeah uh, That's juicy uh, irony. Yeah, exactly. Absolute irony. So, I, th- I think it's just hilarious that a bunch of memers on Reddit have the ability to bankrupt billionaires. Isn't I that crazy? It's, it's nuts. It, That's it, the thing, though. It's a new world, oh. man. It's exciting. Absolutely. It's the power of technology, but it's also very scary at the same time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, going back to the gaming kind of context, you're right. Uh, it, it, the fact now that, you know, before 10 years ago, everything was controlled by publishers, uh, all the games controlled by publishers, all the communications were controlled by publishers, uh, you would not be able to talk to a developer. Mm-hmm. Unless they come, came on exclusively to an interview panel, not even like this, it has to be like proper signed, sealed, and delivered by head office, mm-hmm. uh, saying that you're authorized to talk to these people. Um, they've got that, talking points. They've been coached. Yeah. You know, well, it's like it's, it's kind of similar to Hollywood, where you know, people don't go and talk shows because they want to talk shit. You know, they go on there for a purpose. They have something uh, to promote. Yeah, absolutely. Um, wrong with that? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, <laughs> whereas nowadays, and you've done it yourself, where you've you've talked to actual developers on a game that you're passionate about. I mean, mm-hmm. talk about small world. Like, the, the, the whole internet is making those kind of connections possible. And that, as I say, that's a good and a bad thing. Like, great that you're able to do that and convey your points directly to the person that's making the game and whatever you're passionate about. But also, obviously, the negatives, um, which make you want to cry at night sometimes, you know, as, as a game dev. I'm sure... I'm naming names here, but I'm sure Rel's just looked at looked at the various tweets he's had and just gone, fuck me, why am I doing this? You know, I'm sure every single one of them has done that at some point in their careers. Like, as a game dev, it's just the way it is. Um, Everyone I've talked to Rel about who has enjoyed offline communication with him has been impressed by his passion. Is that your read on him too? I mean, I've, I've spoken to... Well, I've not met him, obviously, but uh, I've spoken to people that have, so I've spoken to Ashley directly, and I, I just said to him, you know, what's your opinion on on the dev team? And they were like, and I'll, I'll do this. I'll do this in Ashley way. Maelstrom, they're a great bunch of guys. Like you cannot find a better dev team. I was like, you know what? That great. sounds like Arthur. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just need to go an octave lower, and I'll meet him. Ladies but, uh, and gentlemen. Yeah. Love. I actually got. A, I've got a voice mod uh, thing that I figured out recently, and I know how he's doing it now. So Ashley, I'm onto you. Nice. Um, nice. So, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's nice that you just got to remember they're actual human beings. Like they're not robots. They're not people that, you know, do what they're told and that's it. They are their own company. Granted, they're under the umbrella DBG, but as far as I understand, it's a very loose relationship. Um, and Andy. EG7 now, right? Yeah, EG7. Well, they are, they're under the umbrella of DBG, Debit Games, which are owned by EG7. Oh. Okay, so, so there's so like 
So it's seven DBG RPG. Kind of. I don't know if DBG is a sister company, but I know they're very related. Uh, okay. I don't know if it RPG is under it. Whatever. I don't, All right. I don't know. structure there. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Uh, as far as I understand it, they had a quite a, an open structure. So RPG, when it got created, had the ability to shape their game however they damn well wish. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time when that happened, about two years ago, they didn't have quite the team to do it, but now they do. Uh, for my last reckoning, they have about 30 devs now. Uh, might be 25. I've heard some figure like that. Uh, they've expanded. Like, don't get me wrong. They've, they've gone from the four devs in a room that were basically keeping the game alive and life support mm-hmm. to an actual full team. And I don't know if that's partially down to escalation. It probably is. It's most likely down to escalation success. But also, uh, I think the people at the top realise that, you know, this isn't going away. If we let it go away, nothing will come back like it, or something will, and it'll be the dust, the IP will be in the dust forever. Mm-hmm. So they've reinvested it, and thank God they have. They have reinvested a hell of a lot into it. I I'm, obviously, I'm not privy to the numbers, but you know that if they can hire 25 people in the space of, what's this, probably half a year, maybe a year? Like, I don't know what the average game developer salary is, but let's assume it's something like $40,000. Like, quick maths, like $40,000 times 25 is, one for, what, what, 1,000. That's a million, it's almost a million dollars if I got my math right there. Say $1,000. It's a lot. Well, no, no, it's, it's a thousand, thousand times. I take your point. My my impression yeah. my impression is that most of the staff on RPG and I'm sure I can be corrected on this um, were people who were internal moves from other Daybreak studios, especially people who were working on Planetside Arena. I think, mm-hmm. um, and I know it's not it's not it's not a one to one relationship about who went where, but RPG became its own dynamo force with 30 developers at the same time that also um the other games under the dbg banner got their own kind of separate studios and then a year after that a year after that eg7 purchased it um to me that kind of suggests uh an intent that might not have been there i don't know um regardless though I feel the same way you do. It's very exciting to have Planetside have an actual creative force behind it that can get shit done. Because for yeah. years, this community has been living with a game that's in like a curation mode, basically. Mm. Where the people yeah. who... Are, it, it, it is woefully understaffed. I mean, I think given the size of the vision, you could even argue that it still is. But mm. um, it's... When I saw that escalation update, I saw Outfit Wars, the Bastion Man. It's like, what game? Is, like, what, what, what world is this? Where did where all this come from? I mean, I knew it came where it kind of came from, but to me, I had gotten used to the idea of Planet Side going down a long, slow process of circling the drain out of relevancy, and eventually, yeah. one day, they would just be dead. And last year. Part of the reason I got really excited about it is because having all that new creative energy into it suggested to me that, hey, this is a game that can more effectively honor my time going forward. Yeah. And I think a lot of people got that sense, too. And we we could argue, um, you know, their success and how the things landed 
And I think there's there's definitely an interesting kind of thing to examine with Outfit Wars, to say that it was in last year and its reintroduction this year. I'm just kind of getting to grips with what's going on with it now. It's kind of fresh. Yeah, I mean, as an Outfit leader, um, <laughs> today, actually, literally today, we've had a meeting amongst our leadership and how we're going to do this. What's your read on it? You know, I think the previous two sessions addressed, well, sorry, highlighted a lot of sort of patterns about the game. So the game, the, the, the qualification phase undeniably was extremely stressful. Uh, yeah. You either were in the camp of, oh shit, we've got to do a shit ton of stuff to get even remotely to qualify. Uh-huh. Or you've got the people like Dig, who are massive and SKL and all the Zerg fits, like could just he, easily just swap it through. Into it. Yeah, just fall into it because of just the sheer number of people they've got that are just everywhere doing it all the time, passively anyway. Uh, they were like, you know, whatever, we get it done. But actually, it's interesting. The first, it actually brings out quite a lot of meta, sort of a meta, uh, I guess a meta game within a game, I guess, where, or Miller, at least. I don't know about other servers. I didn't compete in those. Holy shit, it is snowing in Seattle. Is the world ending? <laughs> wow. Okay, Golden. sorry, continue. Are you sure it's not nuclear fallout from bombs? Um, check uh, check Google real fast. No, no, go ahead. <laughs> uh, yeah, so like on Miller at least, uh, there was like an outfit that actually formed called uh, the Wuhan clan. Uh, <laughs> who, uh, yeah. Oh, God. Less, okay. Who actually got renamed, quite rightfully. Uh, so yeah, basically they formed an outfit, which is basically a bunch of what I call salt fits, the sort of small skill, you know, Salty Salt players. That's a, yeah, that, that's yeah. that's nice. That's a nice portmanteau. Well, also a little cruel, but go on. It, it's cruel because they they get salty when we capture their base because we've got like three people more than they do. But uh-huh, <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. anyway, so they got those together. Uh, I think it was about four or five, maybe six outfits on VS came together and actually qualified for the gold. A beat dig, beat our ass because they were ghost capping all day, every day, literally. You know, off continents. They had a team together that ca- ghost cap squad. The caught them where <laughs> just ghost capping everywhere. So you know, stuff like that, which yeah. I will not miss from the qualification phase for outfit wars. Um, yeah, I'm glad that's gone. It was toxic as all hell. It caused a lot of internal fights amongst outfit f- faction mates. Yeah, it caused so much disagreements and mm-hmm. accusations and cheating and. A dig got accused of a lot of shit, and mm. some, in some cases they're actually right. Uh, but at the time, like you know, you just got so many people just bitching to each other, and it mm. felt so toxic. It felt like you know, why the fuck am I doing this for some match that's going to happen in weeks' yeah. time, or whatever? So I'm glad that that has gone, and it's been replaced with the qualifiers phase. But I think yeah. it's gone to, too far. Just to briefly gone. explain. The old qualification system, in order to get into the Outfit Wars, actually set piece thing where you're playing on the Outfit Wars continent, Desolation, doing the three, the three team matchup. In order to qualify for that, back in the day, you had to accumulate points by playing on the live server. And of course, because the live server is up for 24 hours a day, and you can get points anytime you want, um, it created these in- these incredibly weird toxic play patterns. I, I the outfit that I was playing alongside at that time was a small was was a salt fit. Um, and, uh, they, there are people on that, in that outfit who in a five day period played for more than 72 hours in order to, in order to get 
the placement that they wanted. Yeah, and uh, that's what I mean. People, people, people run themselves into the ground doing that. Yeah, and it was miserable yes. for them and for the people they played with, and no one enjoyed it, and it was sucked. But now, RPG has heard that you don't want that. That's not good. And they've brought the qualification actually to, de to Desolation. Now, in order to qualify for Outfit Wars, you play Outfit Wars, which makes sense to me. Um, mm -hmm. Were you saying that you think it goes too far? What's your feeling on how they've implemented it this time around? So, I think that it's, it's totally shifted. So, you've gone from Zerfits, essentially, that automatically qualified or whatever, who are fairly casual players, you know, could field the full 48 people. Mm -hmm. uh, which is the point I'll go to in a minute. Uh, you know, not necessarily even done competitive stuff in the past, like Jaeger Smash or whatever on, on competitive scenes. So that was a new, new interest for them, which I think was good. But at the same time, yeah, shake it up. Yeah, it's it's, it's more at the minute. I feel it's more. It's gone more towards the sort of very very competitive scale. So I see it as like a very casual scale, which is what the original outfit was was. And the very super competitive scale, which is great. I think the competitive people absolutely need an outlet, and that used to be Lane Smash, Jaeger Smash, whatever. Yeah. Um, and they've got their own thing, and it's nice that it's in the game now. I think though, what's going to happen in the outfit wars coming up, and for context, this uh, is currently in the qualifying phase or entry phase, sorry. And then there's a qualifying phase, phase right? That's it. Yeah, there's a qualifying phase on February the nineteenth. It's actually my birthday. Um, oh, thank you. And uh, yeah, and then they're going to play the matches on Desolation. I think that's fine. I think what we'll find though is that you know the very top level skilled players are going to win that. Which, as you said, you know, over representation, under representation, of different counts. Okay. I feel that you know it's it's leaning heavily towards the competitive side, whereas the sort of casuals, I guess, dig in the sense. I'm I'm not going to say yeah. competitive at all, but not. Uh, are kind of been they're gonna lose. Um, Diggs going into it with the expectation if we can get if we qualify to the championship, fantastic. But if we can get above rank seven or six, wherever it is, halfway up the board, that's yeah, good as well. That's, it'd be a win for you guys. Good tag for us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, um, how do you guys, how do you to, feel about that? Well, sorry, I want to finish my point real quick. Yeah, while right. I'm going to my noggin. Uh, so what I think they should have done myself was put. So obviously you sign up, you enlist, but what you should be able to do is select what kind of bracket you wish to be in. So do you want to be in the casual league? Do you want to be in the hardcore league? Do you want to be in the super, super sweaty heavy league? You know, stuff like that. Which then would give, I know maybe that wouldn't work on a technical level, fine, but you know, that would give uh, each and every spectrum of player, be it, as I said, you know, I'm just here to shoot people, this outfit war thing is kind of cool. I want to join in it, you know, represent my outfit, whatever. To the super sweaty, like, oh yeah, I've got 10 KD in outfit wars and I'm enough to fail it kind of, kind of level of play. So yeah. I think, I think it was so suggestions what? that they do that, but they never did it. And it's a bit of a shame, but hopefully they might be able to do that next time. If, if there's enough interest sure. for outfit wars, then in the what I, So what I, what I think I'm hearing is that you think that, that there is a broad interest in outfit wars. And mm. both from casual, more, more casual players, I think it would be a fun thing to do to kind of put you in together for, and for people who pl already play the game in a serious way and, and see this as a good application of that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it, it, I think, it I think would be a shame. It would be a shame if if both 
couldn't engage in this mode in a way that was suited to their um to their engagement level yeah i mean as we mentioned about you know how players you know you have that euphoria of winning and you have that the highs and lows so yeah, yeah i yeah. feel that if 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 you're going into this knowing that you're going to get absolutely smashed you you're going to get you're going to take a defeat real hard because you'll know that you'll never recover you'll never get higher which i run i you could argue is you know the way of the game get good son you know stop being a shitter but uh, at the same time it's more you know if 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 it could be bracketed in that way then yeah it it could work really well and i think like for me, as I said, I see like there's three sort of tiers of player in Plasad 2. Yeah. The trouble with that kind of a, an approach is that if it's based on self assessment, you get people who game it. Like you'll, you'll, oh, yeah. you'll, you'll get a salt fit sign up for the casual bracket just to I mean, you could, reap the tears. Yeah. yeah, that's absolutely true. You could do sealed clubbing there. Absolutely. And uh, how, how do you regulate that? Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. But you could actually get quite scientific about it and just say, right. Here's an assessment of all your players that have played in the past month. Here is the average KD of all those players. You you and title four. Uh-huh. The, the super super top tier league. Uh your here's your outfit, your average KD is below one. Casual league. This is what you recommend or whatever. But, but then yeah, we're I'm also going back to a system that uses live play as a metric. Yeah. Which yeah. again live play is insanely you can ga- gamify live play to a crazy extent. Absolutely, yeah. There's no. I'll I'll disclose this right now. There is going to be no perfect system. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As okay. a systems as a systems engineer, I know full well that if you design something, some fucker will break it. <laughs> they will. They will cause your day hell. Yeah. So, uh, uh, absolute credit to the <laughs> to to the design team and Rel, and they have a bastard of a job. And I am uh, just. Please, the mode yeah. is coming back. Yeah, absolutely. I, I yeah. really worry that Offbit Wars is going to be gone, period. Uh, I think it's something that the game... It could be a great tool. Um, it's really kind of cool to hear your perspective on it coming from the big outfit kind of point of view. A lot of people that I've talked to feel that, like like for the, like the, the more sweaty tryhard players, it's not a very good representation of how competitive Planet Side can be. Yeah. That having... Having a, a tri-faction setup, which is kind of Plantside's calling card, is kind of kind of uh, um, not very rigorous as far as mm. competition goes. I mean, way back in the day, uh, some of you, some of the people that watch this may have, may have heard of Nexus, which is uh-huh. have, have you heard of Nexus? Oh yes, yeah. So those that don't know, uh, Nexus was a battle continent, which they were. Way back in the day, uh, I forget who it was now. There's some massive esports company that was trying to big up Planet Side for competitive stuff, but uh, they had various matches on this continent, and that was a literal one on one kind of match. Mm-hmm. Um, MLG, thank you, oh, Ramon. Yeah, MLG. MLG, MLG the meme. yeah, <laughs> the meme. Yeah, it's an outfit, it's actually a, a logo in the game, but, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So they, they, they tried the best of it, and uh, I think that could have worked quite well. Um, I think ideally, what we could see, if they really, if the devs really wanted to cater to that community, so obviously right now we have a system of, uh, in in Planetside Battles, uh, shout out to those guys, they do tremendous work. 
yeah. you're able to set up these things and have scrims and 1v1s and if you've got beef with a certain outfit that outfit can fight it out and whatever but it's not officiated in the game they have a server they have a competitive server that they do that on but there's two problems with that one it's in the US East so us people in the UK or in Europe get absolutely shafted it's by the advantage. Yeah. or you could say advantage based on your prefer, uh, perception fair point um, so yeah, there's that problem, but also it would be fantastic to be able to spin up, and I know they can do this because they do it for desolation, that they can spin up a continent, a battle continent, whatever, and have two outfits go, right, we want to deal you, you come here at this time, this is when the instance would start, and they can do whatever. Like a they challenge can duke it out. Yeah, kind of. And you could have like statistics in outfits uh, where you yeah. look on the browser. Say, That's the thing about... This- about um player run events i don't like right now on jaeger which is the the server it's, it's like the playground server for people who want to do organized events right uh, yeah. that's where smashes and plant side battles and uh a bunch of other things happen but the thing i don't like about it is it doesn't link back in any way to your persistent character or outfit in the main yeah. game i think that's the strength of something like outfit wars is to take your success in outfit wars and bring it back into the main game with like a cosmetic or a title or something. Be like, hey man, yeah. I'm like the big dick in the room. I won this thing. Or mm-hmm. I played it. I was a participant. Or I've played in five in a row. I'm like an a, like a loyal outfit warrior. You know? There's all kinds of things that you can do to add value to the main game. Um, I think one of the more interesting <sighs> I'm tempted to sidebar again. But no, we should we should finish, we should finish exploring this idea first. Um and I think that also, like, your website kind of shows that off, too. The power yeah. of persistence and connection. And um, that's the thing about having those things run on Jaeger that's always made me bounce off of it. Like, I've done scrims mm. there. I've done stuff there. Like, I, I'll, I've, I've done... I uh, Back in the day, I played in the, the Guinness Record Smash, w- which I know is now outdated in terms of record I'll setting. I'll organize that. I helped organize that. You helped organize that crazy thing? Oh my god, man. Uh, I was one of the PSP admins at the time. Uh, all my days, I could tell you stories about that. Oh, god. <laughs> if, if, you, if you think, right, that trying to organize a, 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 a Jaeger Smash, oh, I keep saying Jaeger Smash, there's no such thing, uh, like a community smash or whatever, yeah, yeah. with 200 players, imagine doing that with 1,500 players. I cannot Holy imagine. shit, it was nuts. I cannot I imagine. remember... I remember, uh, oh god, what was his name? Redolent? Is it Redolent? Yeah, Redolent and uh, some other guy I can't remember his name of. Uh, they were the PSP admins at the time. And yeah, I, can, I did not hear an American, I'm oh, sorry, Canadian swear so much in my entire life. <laughs> like, I know a Canadian is over the perception of being, like, you know, really polite and stuff uh-huh. like that. This, don't, don't get me wrong, Redolent was, you know, top notch guy, great guy. But as soon as it came to the balls against the wall where 200 players were missing from the event which I signed up and had all accounts and Jaeger accounts and all that mm-hmm. just to get on the smash and they didn't show up you know effort of blinding start to ensue so yeah <laughs> it was nuts oh man yeah. uh, those are the days <laughs> but it, it shows <laughs> the power of that idea though that people would even go like like yourself like Redolent like all the people who did put in the time would go through all the bother to do that for an event that I mean I don't know. Like one of my big takeaways is like, okay, this is a great idea. At the time, the servers were not even close to able to handle what mm-hmm. what the community was throwing at it. 
yeah, we technically had a had a game with that many people on the same server. Is it a game people would want to play? Maybe not. <laughs> the, the the ping was at four hundred milliseconds. Is normally I remember. obviously twenty or thirty for that server if you played in the US East. But people yeah. saying that people were rubber banding. Yeah, technically it was it was achievable. Technically that yes they got the record, but my fucking god, you did not want to play that. <laughs> I still regret not having gotten my plaque from participating in that. Do you have yours? I've got a little card that says I was one of the people that helped organise it. It's a nice, Guinness World Records thing. Nice, I don't man. know where it is. I'd dig it out. But uh, yeah, I'm quite proud of that. I've got that somewhere. Nice. Yeah. Well, hey, man, um, I need to take a short break. Do you want to break for five and come back? Yeah, sure. That's is that okay? Good. All right, y'all. We'll yeah. be back in five minutes. And we're back. I'm Deeg. This is Basement Side here with my buddy Maelstrom talking about planet side and i've Please. i've just learned that apparently um Sorry, <laughs> oh look at the in. kitty cat Hello. we gotta talk about the kitty cat oh yeah oh my Jeez, god this is a regular occurrence on uh, my colleague meetings aren't you my cat well, would destroy one. me if i tried to hold her like that she, she is the only cat i know has ever let me do this wow like all my other cats Zap, no, get lost, don't want to know. My other one's like that. Uh, but this one just loves the cuddles. Don't, yeah. Who's that? Who's that? <laughs> that one That's a beautiful anyway. thing. Go, continue, sorry. I'll, I'll they say that, um, I read somewhere that apparently the purring of cats have like healing properties. Like, uh, That's right. It's been like shown that. Uh, having a cat that that likes to purr next to a sick person, they'll like heal faster or something. I don't know. Well, purring apparently it actually helps them as well. So when they actually in a lot of pain, they purr, which is yeah. really strange. Uh, it's when they're dying as well they purr. Um, there's something about the vibrations and in, in, yeah, it's, it's almost like um, uh, it's like um, I don't know. It's so it's strange in cat the cat's physiology, which helps them. I don't uh. know how, but. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. So, I just learned that the Maelstrom gun in Planet Side is named after yours truly. Is there a story behind that? It is, that? yes. There is a story behind that. Uh, so, uh, thanks for bringing it up the list. I'm sure you'll never let me forget it. Uh, yeah, so, the gun was originally called the Hailstorm Turbo Laser. Uh, and this is, for context, this is the scythe weapon on the... So, it's the hard-hitting... Uh, fa sorry, fast... Uh, fast burst sort of gun for the scythe. Uh, so it was actually originally called the Hailstorm Laser. Now, there was something else, a TR weapon, I think, which was also called the Hailstorm, so they renamed it. Uh, yeah, it was an SMG, right? Yeah, I think so, yeah, that's right. And it, They renamed it to something else, which I can't remember what it was. Uh, I think it was like the Antares, or maybe, I can't remember. Uh, but, interesting to think of this, I don't know if this is either intentional or they just did do it, but uh, it got renamed to the Maelstrom Turbo Laser, uh, which not spelt my way. So my I spell mine in Maelstrom with an E in the end, a silent uh -huh. E, because I'm just uh -huh. weird like that. Um, so I didn't click thinking it was anything to do with me at all. Uh, oh, that were it, yeah. Maelstrom V26 Turbo Laser. No, it weren't V26. It didn't have the V26 on it. Anyway, uh, so it's just called the Maelstrom Turbo Laser. Uh huh. So shortly after Escalation, there was a dev stream, uh, 
And they mentioned about how they had a gun for uh, a guy called Mentis, who was the first player to reach a million kills in the game. Mm-hmm. And he was on Milo Militiar. Uh, so what they did for him is what they put, uh, they put a gun uh, uh, on, on just outside Indar's Watgate. Uh, it's perched against a tree. You can find it in the game if you so chose. If they didn't delete it out of a patch, which they did once. Uh, and uh, yeah, you can find it. Now, on the same stream, uh, I forget who it was. It might have been Andy that mentioned, oh, don't we have the Melson Turbo Laser? And Ro was like, yeah, we do. It was named after Melson Turbo Six, the guy that did Pistol Alerts. I was like, <laughs> you know, definite pog kind of moment. There's some pogs in chat. Uh, I was like, holy shit, it's named after me. And I just obviously fucking exploded in the... <laughs> In, in the stream chat I had no idea that it was named after me uh, so I emailed Rel directly saying seriously that, that game's named after uh, the gun's named after me I was like yeah did you not know I was like no <laughs> no one told me or someone remembered that uh, so Rel went okay okay what, well, what we'll do is we'll rename it and put V26 motion turbo laser and then obviously without the E on it but then it's obvious I was like yeah and that's what I think, really. And I was kind of working a pistol at the time, not seriously like putting loads of hours into it, but just that one act of giving credit to someone who's been a long-time community member, blah, 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 whatever you want to call me. Uh, just that mere little nod just saying, we appreciate you, Yeah. Uh, is, is enough, for me at least, to go ham on creating an entire system that will help everyone everywhere play Fireside forever I hope so it's it's quite humbling actually you know I sort of, sort of went back in a chair like this just going you know like holy shit like they care they do care about people that are willing to put the effort in to the community and yeah, and yeah it's, I think, it's think good. they do it's good to see and when they can take yeah. those moments to just recognize people and I think yeah. The biggest way to do that is the way they did with you and with Mentis is you add something into the game permanently. Yeah. Like that's something everyone can see. It's Absolutely. different than than a social media call out. It's different than, you know, even a news post or something like that. The V twenty six Maelstrom Turbo Laser, I'm showing it here on the on the stream. That's uh that's pretty that's that's really cool. And hmm. well deserved. Um that's oh. I think like I wonder what this says in the trivia section. I've not seen this actually. I wonder what oh, it says further down. Section? Yeah, if you click on the content. Initially there. named Hailstorm. Let me zoom this in so it's a easier to see. <laughs> Brilliant. Initially oh, it's right there. Brilliant. Hailstorm tur- Turbo Laser. The Maelstrom was renamed due to a name con- conflicting with the, tur- the Terran PDW 16 Hailstorm. The new name was chosen in honor of Maelstrom 26, a community member responsible for the PS2 Alerts website. Oh, there's a there's a Twitch clip. Let's let's watch it. The oh. actually the uh, the Maelstrom uh, 26 is the the VS. Um, it used to be named something else. I can't remember the name at this point, uh, but it's now named like after Maelstrom, the person who uh, runs Set Alerts. So just like little things like that that are you may not notice, but the actually, yeah. So Rel yeah. just explaining that uh, what we just read. It was it was named yeah. after you. I remember the stream. This is the one with the uh, the the Cardo and Rel uh, photo over Andy's side shoulder. Oh, yeah, that was funny. That's a beautiful thing. 
Oh, I love the memes. The That's memes come out of that was just fantastic. Yeah, yeah I think... I want to think about that moment for a second. That recognition you felt. That, mm -hmm. that like sense of satisfaction and recognition. I think that like there's... It, it speaks to something that is undeniable. Like it, it helps us remember the human in all of this, mm -hmm. right? Like there were people... Yeah who didn't have to do what they did, but they made a choice to honor you the way they did. And there's mm -hmm. you, who's a person, who's just a planet-side player, who's a bit of a geek, and you're like, I'm going to help them run an outfit. I'm going to help run all these events, and I'm going to make this website. Like, yeah. that's within you. And when we do these things, we're all trying to, we're, we're engaging in like an act of of like, indirect collaboration to create the thing that we want that we think is better for for everyone and yeah. i think it's just gorgeous dude i <clears throat> everything that i try to do is to try to create those moments where people can connect ideas in each other and we can all understand like have a better understanding of what what it is we're all contending with and why yeah. I just think that one of the most, one of the saddest things that occurs is like the idea that people get of like, that they're alone feeling the way mm -hmm. that they feel. And that can yeah. be feeling like depressed and alone, or it could be like feeling like the way that I want to play the game is, you know, uh, not appreciated by the developers and they hate me yeah. and they want to suppress me. And I'm, that makes me angry and angry to people who get what they want. Um, mm -hmm. It's not easy doing what we're all trying to do, which is essentially co-create and inhabit a virtual world together. Mm -hmm. Like, we don't know how to do this. We're, we're, although I will say, like, in terms of, like, and this is getting, like, very off the rails here, but this is kind of, like, my thing. I think that we, as a species are world creators. Yeah. That's what we do. And this technology that we are coming into allows us to do that in a way that's, that's the speed of iteration is much faster than it is to iterate in the way that we create things in the real world. I think it's super exciting. Right, that, was a, that was what I was touching on earlier about like, you know, like if you're a startup now, then now is the time because you've just great infrastructure like that yeah it's, mm -hmm. it's it's very powerful stuff that we've got at our fingertips it's just having the skills and the knowledge and the drive to get it done um that's the thing like you know being being quite selfish here but i guess you know in in me giving this tool back to the developer to the uh, to the gaming community as a whole i guess hey, I, I, I sort of expect a certain level of recognition for all that because it's, it's a lot of fucking time going into it <laughs> i'm not gonna i'm not gonna mince my words a lot of time and my time's going into it but at the same time you know i respect that obviously i'm also just one of the players you know like i don't expect to have the devs singing my graces all day no i don't expect that at all uh in fact i think they're going to be quite choosy about who they who they pick as their sort of champions i guess of the community um i know they're very particular around like, especially around streamers who they support as well mm -hmm. um I remember, I'm not going to say who, but one of the guys I speak to, one of the streamers, he's mentioned that he's, he had to sort of like 
to fully be recognised and represented uh, to to sort of like develop uh, to promote the game, I guess, uh-huh. uh, on an official level, like dev dev communication. Level. They had to do like various things about like you know showing that their rig, their computer, could take the game and actually pump out you know the game at a decent quality. Interesting. No one wants to see a potato game. Like it may run smooth as hell, but no one wants to see a game that's textured as shit and all True. that you know. Potato mode, right? Potato no side too. Yeah. Yeah, no one wants to see it. Yeah. Yeah, no one wants to see it. Sad reality. Yeah, so no one wants to see it on the stream. On the inverse, no one wants to see a game that's choppy and slow. So you got to remember that. You know, while the devs might, and this is this is a message to everyone. While the devs, some people may not understand the things that they do the way they do. They do it in a way of interest of the image and you know the sort of posterity of the game. And some may disagree that you know. The talking out their ass, or they don't know what they're on about, stuff like that. But in certain things, especially when it comes to community management, they've got to be very picky about what they do, what they say, what they endorse. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, but the uh, the PS2 alerts was on the launcher. Yeah. Um, Congrats. Recently, yeah, recently. Very cool. Now, I mean, I, I think it's an absolute honor that they've done that for for me, and I, I did approach them. They, they didn't approach me, but I approached them, saying, you know, you, you know, of the PS2 alerts project. You've seen it before on the quality of work I pump out for this. Uh, you know, I think it's better for me and better for the game as well that we have a tool, we have that you know a sense of exposure for both parties, right? So obviously, yeah. as I said and mentioned before, you know, people use the website, they have a sense of purpose, want to play the game more. <laughs> and for me, it's more building a user base. I'm not gonna. I have no intention of monetizing the shit out of it. I have no intention of running ads on the site. You know, it's a pure craft of love. I may in the future, for example, allow people to uh, request their own recordings for a small fee. Uh, okay. I'm thinking along the lines of, for example, obviously you have the whole wealth of the stats. For example, you could have like an outfit versus outfit thing on Jaeger that you could record. Or, uh, for example, you gave where you have two players that are sort of like trying to see who can one-up each other or whatever. You could do it on an outfit level, faction level, whatever. That's a neat um, idea. Like, like be able to just spin up those kinds of things ad hoc, like if you're like a like a patron or something, or some way to do yeah, that. Yeah, some way to do that. I've not figured out the details yet, but yeah, it's a good something idea. like that I think that's really cool to just sort of spin up a version of your choosing. Your, put some criteria for it. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I think I think there's potential for that. But as I said, that's not my focus. My focus is providing quality statistics for the metagame at the time. I know so maybe Outfit was. I'm, I'm debating it. It is possible. I've emailed the devs actually. I got a response today about like, certain questions about what are the facility IDs, the base IDs in the uh-huh. API for, uh-huh. for, for the for the uh the desolation and uh you know, how do I figure out who's on what stuff like that. Uh I might be able to cook some out, but maybe not in a week. <laughs> maybe next time, but uh, yeah, certainly I could. Give I it love a crack. that idea, man. Yeah, I, 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 mean, would, lo- I, I would love I to see something like that, where yeah, it, I mean, it, it, I would, it would empower like... the casters and it would give people yeah. who are just watching it, uh, like um, or or the players themselves, like people love stats. Mm-hmm. Well, I need from plants uh, from uh, Server Smash, like. <laughs> especially competitive matches people would love to know who killed the most who won up who yes you know all that 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 it's a competitive scene it is you know golden it's a real shame that uh plateau battles uh as far as i know 
feel free to correct me if people describe it otherwise, but as far as I know, they've not brought back anything close to the service smash uh, level of statistics. They've got you know stuff like, for example, Pill, where they have the players there. That's that's great. I'm yeah. That, but they have a great not... setup. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's not a big scale event anymore like Service Smash, which unfortunately, I... it's unfortunate that's happened. Like, I'd love to see Service Smash again. Like, oh my days, the, the best moments of my Plaza career was Service Smash. Really? It, 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 it you know, the fact that an entire server could come together, like, you know, normally there's quabbles and all sorts, but coming together yeah, yeah. as one unit and fighting and bashing the shit out of other servers and coming, being the king of that. Yeah, it's it's, it's so a great, great story yeah. there. Coming coming together with your enemies to smash your common enemy—that's good stuff. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, great rivalries and the in the, and the, the the inner competitiveness of going for the most kills, most captures, stuff like that. Um, mm. Yeah, it's unfortunate though that we've fallen into this kind of trap, really. Where <sighs> I don't know, I don't know if it's because it's the way that it's been organized in the past and how just sheer amount of admin you've got to do for it, but. Uh, it's just, I think people perceive it as a lot of work and a lot of stress for no real purpose, which is unfortunate, because if you ask any server, any, any player of the game saying, do I want to play Server Smash again? The chances are quite likely at the moment is yes. Maybe Outfit Wars now changes that scene, but about half, six months ago, before Outfit Wars was a thing, yeah. absolutely. Like, I remember... Hmm. What walk on the chat there, uh, it's an absolute ball ache, but it's so amazing, it's absolutely correct. Yeah. I remember being an assistant, uh, force commander for one of them. I think it was the uh, Miller, oh, yeah, it was the merger smash. It was Miller versus uh, Christ, what were they called? It was the other EU server that we absorbed into. It's gonna, it'll come, it'll come to me in about a minute. Uh, but yeah, it's uh. Woodman, thank you, yeah, Woodman. So Miller versus Woodman, the two EU servers. So they were trying to uh, close one of the servers off. They didn't know which one. So the, the games, and this is what I was on about about like you know having devs involved in the game and the player base. Yeah. Is that they said, right, guys, fight side battles, arrange this match. Whoever wins gets to keep their server. <laughs> that participating in that was phenomenal. You were literally fighting with the survival of your server name. It was fantastic. Yeah, that's beautiful. It was, it's it's obviously like they can't do that all the time because it's merger smashes. But imagine though, if in the game you can have a title, and there is a title actually. There's a title for record smash and uh, yeah, world uh, world championship. I think or champion. Sorry, that's what it's right. called for uh, for the world world. I think we did a server smash, world record smash, whatever it was, a while ago. Um, but they've not done anything since. What I'd like to see. This is where. Uh, this is where sort of like you know the whole building of the site comes in. What I'd absolutely love to see, and if the devs are watching this, then please make it so. Uh, is an alert league. Huh. So everyone gets to play, perfectly playing level field. There is no qualification. There is no you know cheating or whatever. It's literally just playing the game, and it's based purely just on wins. Okay. You know, who wins the most alerts, basically? Uh, and this is kind of what I've been gearing towards. So you notice some of the stats that they're very keenly designed towards certain bracket levels. So there's like activity levels, which is currently uh, just purely based off population, but that can be very quickly engineered into being, um, if, you, if you look on the homepage, very quickly engineered to being towards leagues. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. So you can no- you notice uh, 
maybe not on that page, but you can sort of see how on the bottom right there, for example, uh, they're all broken down into different levels. So my sort of midterm goal, essentially, by the end of this year is to potentially get a league in place where, be it if it's just prime alerts, which in the, alert, the metagame context is four platoons on each side, so mm -hmm. a minimum of four platoons, it qualifies for prime alert. Mm -hmm. uh, to have those particular alerts regarded as you know the the league qualifiers, if you want to call it that, the prime alert league. Yeah, the prime alert league, for example. Yes, yeah, that's, like that's that. got so much juice, dude. Yeah, I think this all so, underlines like a very, a very common important idea, which is people care about the stakes. Mm -hmm. Whether it's yeah. their their server name going away, whether it's uh, getting a record smash title, or mm -hmm. a cosmetic, like if you underline something people can come together and do that's interesting with some kind of outcome that people care about, that's what's the good stuff right there. And absolutely, it's it's liquid gold. Like you got, if you it, got if... a lot of power here to shape that with your site. Absolutely, I think. Yeah, and the way I was sort of like, I've had, had discussions with this, initial discussions with this with the devs, and I won't share too much details at the minute because it's very early days talking, but uh -huh. their, their, their concern was around uh, having tangible rewards for uh, for the game. Now, in my opinion, that could be a multitude of things. It could be a, a title. Uh, I know that they can batch add titles to players. Now, I don't know if they can do it for the entire faction, but uh, right, maybe maybe it's just a simple query in the database which goes where server equals ten, which is Miller, and faction equals one, which is who knows. Um, so they could do something like that, um, but I am certainly even without rewards to give it a go, and uh, you know, just make a game for people to play. Uh, give as I said before, this is the theme of having persistence and purpose. Yeah, yeah there are things you can do even without having the yeah. end game consequences, which you're right, are all, it, it's going to be hard to, it's hard to stack up anything against having something in game. That, that's the powerful yeah. thing. But like, I think of like having overlays for streamers where they can show off some of this stuff being huge. You know, actually what the first idea that came into my mind, I, I don't know if you remember the days of the internet before social media platforms took over where there were message boards and people would have signatures oh, yeah. in message boards. Pitch. Which, which Pitch, are often... PHP B B forums, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like like a VGB, like yeah. like like this graphic signature to be like, you know, uh, yeah. here's my my alert win rate or something like that. Um, yeah. Funny you mentioned that. That could totally be done. Uh, there's an API that PS2 alerts offers, which anyone could consume. Uh, PS2 News, shout out to Charlotte Platt, I know he's in the chat in the minute. Uh, they consume it and they and their website show the running alerts for using my data. So nice. Absolutely totally doable. Um, PS2 news. That's a cool. That's a cool resource too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sorry, what were you saying? Sorry, cut you off. <laughs> no, I'm. I'm just like. I'm just like. Uh, just riffing on on this idea of mm -hmm. of creating consequences people could care about, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah. I think you're you're playing with good stuff here. I mean, the website already kind of sells itself because because the presentation quality is so high. Um. And well, if you give people, high grace, thank you. <laughs> I think it looks fantastic. I mean, I'm no I'm no web designer, but this is easy to look at. I think, and it, there there is definitely a challenge when it comes to stuff like this, where you know you're trying to display a lot of information. Uh, right. I've had a few people come to me saying, "I'm quite right." So say, "Yeah, this is laid out shit." Um, <laughs> what, what, one one example is, uh, for example, 
Yeah, just just a little things. Like one big thing a minute for me I want to tackle is uh, the sort of underrepresentation. As we mentioned before, there's a common theme here. I feel that underrepresentation of certain groups. So right now the site is very much designed towards Zergfits. Uh-huh. There's no there's no denying that. So it makes sense. You, I, I mean, you, yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> a lot of people. In them. I think I think you mentioned um, that you you saw the the monthly like sort of status reports. I do uh, the Metagame uh-huh. reports. I'm calling yes. them. And numerous comments are quite rightly so, like absolutely fine, uh, saying, you know, I don't care about this. This is all engineered towards SQL and Dig and all the big people that have loads of people in, which is an absolutely fair comment. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the thing that there's stuff like that could be easily fixed. Uh, you know, it's simple to do. So it's just a matter of just tweaking it a little bit just to represent those different people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, I can say this. Like, like it's an easy thing for potentially the devs to do, but it's a whole different kettle of fish when it comes to games. Uh, yeah. Obviously, I've, I'm, even though it's just me doing it, I've developed it in a way where it can be quite flexible like that. But it's bearing in mind people that think, well, why can't the devs do this? Uh, it, it's they can, they're gonna, they're, but they, they have they another can, job. But also, they got to make the game. Well, not, not, not only that, but also they're working with code that potentially none of them have seen or don't know what the fuck it does, and yeah. uh, is eight years old and was developed by a guy that that particular time of their career may not know jack about gaming or uh, coding i'm sure they did but it might they've be got a, a whole different set a of four thousand line file they're dealing with maybe yeah maybe <laughs> yeah yeah mm-hmm. christ i'm glad i'm doing that anymore <laughs> yeah sure. so it's um it, it's everyone has different challenges um and this is the thing that a lot of players don't understand is that the developers uh do their damnedest Please, people, but I think a lot of people don't understand because they don't have technical knowledge or have no idea or no no perception of it. Where they just think that why don't they just do this? Why don't they just put this little thing in there and all that? It's got to it's got to think of context. Like whenever I approach the devs, I always say uh, I was I was about back of my mind when I write an email or a message or whatever, just thinking. How much of a ball ache is it? Could it probably be for them to do this? Mm-hmm. Um, a good example of this is uh, I was speaking to the API representative for DBG, and they've looked at. I think I mentioned this earlier about uh, about a list of issues at the API. Mm-hmm. They've looked at it and they're looking at it now, and I'll be very interested to understand what they feel is feasible, what isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, we've added. And um, by the way, if you're interested in joining this little community of ours. Uh, it's on the Plant Side 2 Discord, and it's a channel called Hash API Devs. Okay. Uh, so we have a, like a little, it's probably about 20 of us in there. Uh, we have a ch- sharing little things about it. People come up with questions about you know, how hard to access this for a day. So if you're interested in developing tools for that, highly recommend joining those those people. Okay. Uh, they, they know their stuff, sometimes more than me. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so... Yeah, it's it's just it's interesting to interact with them on that level where there's an understanding, an invisible understanding almost of you're not the typical guy that you know talks shit and does nothing but you know pisses off the devs with random comments. No, you actually sit down with them and talk to them and understand the reasoning behind it. Like I don't know if I should share this or not, but uh, there was a recent thing I've had with you know they're not been overly. They weren't getting back to me for weeks. 
for certain things. So okay. it was particularly the PS2 launcher. Uh, <laughs> I probably shouldn't be saying this, but anyway, I'm going into it now. Uh, okay. I did send well, them a link. I've been, I've been, I've been quite, uh, quite, you know, not direct, but quite upfront with them, just uh, saying, guys, you need to do a little better of talking to people. Um, like, there's, it's, it's been noticed that a lot of people have got a little quiet. Um, and I got mm-hmm. a fairly diplomatic response back saying, yeah, totally get that. We're absolutely fucking slammed uh, mm-hmm. without if it was, you know, we apologise, we'll we'll try to do better. And that's shortly before Justin uh, made it aware that he was leaving he's the team. On. So yeah. he's moving on. So Andy I moved think... on, Justin moving on. That's tough. Interesting. It is. It's interesting you mention it. Like a lot of people would see that and go, "Oh shit, new investors, they're killing people. Get them out." You know, panic. <laughs> but at the same time, these people have lives. These people have different opportunities. Uh, mm-hmm. For example, uh, I was working for a, a parcel company. Uh, again, won't say names. I didn't enjoy it. Uh, I got approached by a guy that uh, says, "Do you want to work for X company?" Again, what's her name? But uh, and I was like, "Fuck yeah, I will!" <laughs> and just quit. <laughs> yeah, it, it, people have lives, and some people read way too much into stuff when certain people leave a business. Like it was particularly a bit of a shock that Andy left. So I'm not going to deny that, but I'm, I'm sure whatever he's doing now is fantastic, and he's having a, he's having a great time doing it. And I'm sure, it, I'm sure whatever he does, my mate, my, my man Andy will will make a success of it. He he was quite the trooper. Um, yeah, yeah, he he got stuff sorted. He Respect to guy. Andy. Absolutely. One of the things Massive I really respect. that I really noticed in the last year is he kind of took on the responsibility of doing a lot of the after hours communication. That yeah, like between himself and the the, the tech staff who were running around trying to make the gerbils were all still spinning on their in their wheels. Like that's yeah. that's that's a stressful job to manage that after hours communication like that. We gotta think though. That just shows the passion that someone like him, and I'm sure Rel and Chris Farrar, who we've not really seen much of. Chris Farrar is the right. technical director for yeah. Platform. I've had deals with him previously, so some may re- remember this. But the uh, the voice comm system Vivox in Platform Two was not working. Yeah, it which is very sad. Yeah, Platform uh, really suffers for not having that working. I think. It did. Uh, it was in a real bad state. So I took it upon myself to sort of uh, try and help out a bit. And what I did was there. I've got a couple of, you can Google this, it'll be on there. Uh, just try and get a bit of Reddit posts together. Just try and get a bit more information for the devs to understand, you know, what the fuck's going wrong with this system and why it's not working for people. And granted, it's still not 100% right now, but it, it, it's, it's a damn sight better than what it was. Mm. It was just constantly dropping, like, People having to revert to using Discord, TeamSpeak, bloody Skype in some cases, where uh, <laughs> it, it just did not work mm. at all. Uh, so I got in touch with Andy and said to him, right, I'm, I'm happy to help out. What do you need? Uh, and I think that's when the re- sort of mutual respect grew there. Uh, it's like, I, I'm more than happy. I've got a, a bunch of guys. Like I can easily get 100 opinions or hundred data points within a, a, day, a couple of days because mm-hmm. large outfit. Mm-hmm. Um, I also did a Reddit as well, got the same kind of things, uh, and yeah, it, it just by sitting down with him, going into nitty gritty detail with Chris, 
sort of going, okay, so I didn't even make any videos and stuff like that. Just going into certain scenarios of use cases, basically, and how or replication cases and how certain things did it thing. And I think that helped. I'm not going to say take the credit and say that that was the silver bullet that fixed it, but I'm mm-hmm. going to say I'm, hopefully it's helped, and I've I've been told it did. Uh, that's helped them diagnose the stuff in Vivox. Uh, if you go in the game now, press settings and go to voice, there's a whole new GUI on the right side, which was not there a year ago, mm-hmm. which allows you to individually reset channels hmm. and shows the reports the status of them. There was a button, still there, there's a button uh, to turn off voice and on. And for the vast majority of cases, that fixed the problem for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the system was utterly crap at telling people like at certain channels if they're not connected to them or whatever. Mm-hmm. So they spent a solid two weeks building that GUI and mm-hmm. making it so that the player can t- reset it and mm-hmm. reset outfit voice and reset squad or whatever if they have particular problems with that. And I think that, to me, just proved to the level of commitment they are willing to go if something was really wrong mm-hmm. with the game. And like someone like Chris, I'm not going to assume him as a person, but I'm assuming the technical director, the Debbie kind of people, I guess, sort of like me, I guess. They're not really front-end people, front, like, people, people, I guess. Uh, quite introverted in nature, us devs. Um, so I can understand why certain people like him weren't directly at the forefront, but if you get that sort of intertwining communication with player base and the game developers, and that mutual level of trust, and uh, sort of work with them, yeah, you know, it, it, it's tremendous, and it works well for both parties. So. Yeah. And it's really uh, cool that you yeah. have been able to build a rapport with these yeah. developers. Um, you know, one of the things that I've really recognized over the years is that whenever you're working on something kind of creative, um, there's the more people you bring into the process, the more you risk. Like distraction, um, ideation, getting mistaken for promises. Um losing people, people getting attached to things. Um, and I really respect the need to keep things kind of close to a small group and the need for developers to develop in their world of development and do their thing. Um, mm-hmm. And what's then called upon is to have at the different levels of communication, different levels of information, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and where you can build those bridges, like you've, like you've done in the situation with the voice, is very, very cool. And it really points to an, uh, a shared concern of wanting to make the game work and be fun. Yeah, absolutely. We, we all want that. Yeah, um, they, they could have quite easily told me, you know, two deuces, get lost, like, we don't care, or don't even reply, you know. They could have easily done that, but no, they engaged. and Yeah, and they, they will do, they will the do time to though. honor your interest and honor your investment. They made the weapon in your name that honored your investment. They put your stuff on the launcher. They honored your investment. It's in a lot of ways, these, these transactions are kind of social transactions. Mm. If someone makes a major contribution, you honor them. Something you do because it, it creates the proper incentives for people to actually step up and do these things. And you made a comment earlier in the stream, which I think, I think could be heard as kind of like, like almost a little resentful if you take it a certain way about they need to be careful about giving attention to the people who make these, who are the big community players who are really surface the game and make it work for a lot of people who have a more passive level of engagement. But I think that 
it all it highlights again a truth to say we're all here trying to make a virtual world happen and we all owe it to ourselves to honor everyone's contributions and i think that it is both easiest and hardest to honor the things that developers do because of the creative process that happens there and all of the business ramifications that are behind the, that process. Yeah. So when they do take a time out of their day to do something they don't have to do, like rename a weapon, like uh, give someone a golden anchor, like all these things, um, mm -hmm. that's, it seems that much more human because there's no obvious monetary outcome from that. They don't, yeah. it, it doesn't help their bottom line. Well, absolutely. Like the irony is it actually hurts their bottom line, but uh, in terms of the actual person hours to, to do the job, but you got to think of it from a, from that business kind of level context as well, I guess, where uh, if, if you're supporting someone that's doing something for your product, be it, for example, out of the game context, be it, for example, an influencer, right? An Instagram influencer, whatever, you know, or YouTuber or, you know, sponsorships, right? Working for Planet uh, Side too. Yep. Yeah, so yeah, if if you if you put if you you know what's the old saying? Uh, you don't get money if you don't spend money, right? Mm -hmm. So you invest in the person or the product or the brand or whatever uh, to benefit your product, and in a smaller, much smaller scale way, they're kind of doing that with certain people of the community. Mm -hmm. More publicly, this being streamers, you know, the Archer TVs, the Kamikazes, the Commander mm -hmm. Series. Mm -hmm. Uh, went to gaming, I guess, in certain ways. You know, people like that. You see them quite regularly on Twitter. You know, you know, retweeting, they're going live or whatever, which is great. I think the community interaction that they've got there is good. Um, as I say, I guess a bit more underrepresented uh, group uh, are the people that do quite a lot of work. Again, like myself, there's various of us. Uh, for example, like Voidwell, so a guy called Lamjar, he's. He's made a website that is very similar stuff to mine. Yeah, let's, uh, let's highlight a few different similar. contributions. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So who do you want um, to talk about first? So voidwell.com. Uh, um, voidwell.com. Uh, they, Lamjar's done a very similar thing uh, to me in terms of monitor alerts, but I go to a vast more amounts of detail. We've actually, uh, ironically, shared quite a lot of... Uh, well, some cases even code over the uh, over the years, but uh, yeah, it's 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 very similar. Also, they've got the other things like recursion. Obviously, everyone knows about recursion. If you don't, it's uh, it's an. Let's have a look at what Void was uh, doing real yeah, fast. Yeah, yeah. I just want to yeah, understand yeah. it a little bit better, and then we'll move on. Yeah, so Voidwell's quite good in terms of uh, sort of looking at service status. So it gives all like the, all the players that are online, um, all their population levels, stuff like that. Uh, it goes into quite a little bit of detail about alerts, is what you're seeing there. Uh -huh. um, I, I have very similar stuff. Uh, they have a map, which I don't yet. <laughs> yes, map is uh, good. Which, me like yeah, me. that's this that's one stuff. of my next big ones. I've actually had a chat with him, and he's he's shown me how to do it, so I just need to get it done. But uh, yeah, actually, I mean, one of these things that it's quite interesting. One of these things that would help us tremendously as community devs is just little things, just tiny little things like putting a map, the map tiles. In the API for us to just yeah grab. yeah just at the minute what we have to do this is such an absolute batshit crazy thing we have to do 
we have to load the games uh, .pack .two files, right? Mm-hmm. Someone's made some batshit crazy uh, extractor exe, which just pulls them out of the game files uh-huh. and pa- pastes them as pictures. Nuts. Absolutely <laughs> nuts what we need to, need to do to, uh, to, yep. uh, to, to get maps working in, in the community sites. Thankfully, someone's made it in a way where it's just on a Google Drive and we're going to pull them in now. But, oh, oh, God. I like yes, these player yes. drill downs. Yeah, this is this is the level I kind of get to. Uh, oh, I like alerts. This is nice. I, I do like that. I do like how he's presented that, how he's laid that out. Fizu does something very similar, which we'll go to in a minute, I guess, but it's nowhere near as nice as laid out as his. What is uh, Siege level? Do you know I, what that I is? I don't know, actually. I think that's to do with, like, if you're, like, a killer or more of a support player. I think. Okay. Um, Interesting. Oh, yeah, there's, like, like a shield on the left and a sword on the right. Yeah. Huh. Um, <laughs> That's pretty cool. This is yeah, definitely yeah. So, uh, form signature material. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so he did... Uh, there was, sorry, there was another site called Dazzlefall, which has unfortunately died, uh, which did something very similar. Um, very similar stuff. So, I mean, we've got access to the same Dazzle data. 4? So, is, is you say it's not up anymore? No, it's not up anymore. It's dead, okay. but... Uh, Dazzlefall. Um, oh, oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dazzlefall, sure yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm well familiar with that. That's a very oh, thank you, ground game. That, that's it. attack and defense. Defenses in, oh, as we'll say, Planet Side Two's defenses system is complete bollocks. It's, uh, it's based off. Uh, so, for example, if you've got a three point base, if one of the point flips and flips back, that's a defense. It's not in my head. Uh, yeah, defense is a lot easier. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, they go to a ton of detail. I actually use their uh, their player um, population stuff quite a lot. It's uh, so actually uh, when I'm doing development for Pistol Alerts, I obviously I I, I run it on a Mac, this beast of a machine. Uh-huh. Um, so I don't actually can't play the game on that. Uh, so I use I use Voidwell to figure out which continents are open, and I start an, an alert. On my local dev, that uh, that uh, I can collect stuff from. Nice, nice. So this is the, so Voidwell. Who who makes Voidwell? Lapjaw. I think it's an iron. I think I don't know what server it is, but uh, yeah, it's Lapjaw. So he has a login here. I don't know what that's for actually. Um, huh. but, uh, okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, this, it's, is, it's... this is cool. This is cool. I like this. Yeah. Um. Nice. So what else? Who else are the heavy hitters of Planet uh, Side Two uh, contribution? So uh, Fizu, uh, FISU. Let me just get the link. Uh, they so their site's a bit more quirky. Uh, they do a lot of. I'm going to give some links here because it's a little hard to navigate. Uh, they do a lot of stuff around players and a little bit about outfits but there's another there's a better tracker for outfits i'll give you in a second okay. um yeah you i'm familiar so, with go ahead though uh oh well if you know that then you can just search a player for example and you can demonstrate well, search for that. me the most yeah, important yeah. player there is um <laughs> player let's not search killboard you'll see i haven't played in a long time uh achievement viewer Yep, there it is. Cool. Cool. My overall cool. profile. Where's this go? That'll go to your player stats, I think. Yeah. 
Is it opening another page? <laughs> KD 1.992. So close to two. Oh, damn. You <laughs> That's painful. <laughs> Uh, I'm not okay. sure if that, I'm not sure if that's a real KD or if it's the in-game KD, but uh, right, right, yeah. I wonder what mine is, but anyway. What should we compare? Yeah, let's go do for it. it. Let's do it. I don't pride myself in being a killer. I'm a commander. It's just the way I play the game. Is it spelled the same way? Maelstrom with an E twenty six. Maelstrom twenty six. Yeah, yeah. My infantry KD yeah. is over two. That's something. Yeah. Yeah, it does go into a lot of detail. Um, That's good stuff. Yeah, it's, it's, really, it's a really good game. Like, this... this like... Uh, he's got a challenge in that he displays a lot of data. Uh -huh. uh, a lot of it is very hit and miss in terms of, like, how it's represented, I guess. But overall, like, generally, it looks really good. Um, yeah, there's a lot of information here. It's a lot of information. Also, people yeah. care about too, like the IVI. I like that. Yeah. These little trends at the bottom are kind of cool. Um, yeah, yeah. All these different drill downs, directives. Yeah. So, yeah, it's cool. really good. Um, there's another one I wanted to show, which is an outfit tracker. Uh, which, uh, if I just pull up Dig, for example, uh, it shows a lot of uh, statistics on an outfit level. Um, and it actually allows you to uh, to present uh, your outfit with you can say you can sort of like claim the page and log in. So you have to do this like oh, that's uh, cool. confirmation of like you are the so every outfit has a leader character. Uh, in our taste, so it's old before school, yes. before we get too deep into this, who makes Fisu? Uh, Fisu. <laughs> oh, Fisu. No, it's Fisu. Okay. Yeah, he's he's not around massively at the moment. Um, I think you can get get hold of him on Steam if you have him as a friend, but he's he's not really that involved with the community anymore. Um, yeah. I don't know. Or, he might be. He might just be hiding under the rug a little bit, and I've not seen him. But <laughs> well, he's made a great resource one way or the other. Shout out to Absolutely. him. Absolutely. So Absolutely, Alpha Tracker, yeah. let's have a look at this. Yeah. So Alpha Tracker is very much trying to do a similar thing, I guess, in alerts in terms of it's it's got like leaderboards, uh, it's got an awards system. Uh, you can sort of see all the captures that they've done and all that good stuff. Uh, it's a very centralized sort of focus towards outfits, which is pretty Sounds damn like cool. There are so a lot of see... people who have very similar ideas in this space. There is, yeah. I think because of the data we've got access to, uh, a lot of stuff has a lot of correlation. So, yeah, like for example, um, that might show all the statistics for uh, for an outfit, whereas. If I had to do the same thing for alerts, it'd obviously be in the alert context, but I'd show very similar kind of data. I'd probably display it in a different way, but mm -hmm. uh, we have the same data. Um, that's the nice thing about kind of you have this consistency across all of the sites because uh, they use the same data source. Um, yeah, there's quite a few, uh, quite a few interesting uh, metrics they do. Uh -huh. I like I like how they display the site. It's it's one of the better ones and the sexiest looking ones. Yeah, uh, it's, quite... it's visually interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, it, it dig is a massive outfit. Like, Fizu struggles to load dig stats. Mm. So for certain ways that certain sites have been developed that uh, are actually really good and optimized in a really good way. Um, and believe me, it's a challenge. Well, you got a lot of data, right? It's a lot of data. I've actually had some pistol alerts. I've had to restrict um, 
what I wanted to do, I wanted to have a daily total of all the weapons on each server and how well they perform on each server on a daily basis, right? But sure. I looked at that and I was thinking, fuck me, that's a lot of data. And if you do that based on a character as well, <laughs> God, uh, I think you have that's to your, an explanation. You have to have a record well, of each kill in the database. and just Kind of, up, no, right? no. How's actually, work? what I do... So what I do, essentially Pistol Lich is just a massive counter. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's literally just, you get a message, be it the same thing that Recursion gets. I digest that and I go, okay, so this person killed this person, give them a kill. This person died, give them a death. Mm -hmm. uh, same again for the outfits. Same again for the weapons. If they used a vehicle, same again for those. In the vehicle context, was it, was it in a vehicle? Did they die in a vehicle? If so, give a vehicle versus vehicle kill for that. Was it just against an infantryman? If that's the case, vehicle versus infantry stat. Um, or the flip side, if an infantry killed a vehicle, infantry versus vehicle stat. You know, right. stuff like that. All it is is just a counter. Basically, it's a massive increment. That's all a pistol that really is under the hood. Uh, if you ever looked at the database scheme, which I'm sure a few, most of you don't care, but if, if somebody actually looked at it, I'll it's look you get that. That's interesting. very simple. It's very simple. Um, purposely simple. It has to be. For the sheer amount of people that it serves, it's it has to be simple. Um, okay. So, okay. so the reason why I couldn't do like a daily uh, weapons thing is because you hit an N plus six problem for me. Oh, I'm plus eight problem now. Uh, N one. plus six problem. What's that mean? So, if I was to track a player's weapons every day, it would be a the number of players times the activity levels, which are currently is six. Mm -hmm. So you've got your total stats, which is what I do show, and your individual brackets. So dead, low, medium, high, and prime alert brackets, right? Right. So that's your six. And then you times that by the number of metrics which I collect, which is currently around about eight types. And then you times that by days. Because I'll see it gets fucking big. <laughs> you could limit it by 30 days or whatever, last 30 days, which, yeah, is an option. Um, so just the scope of the data gets out of control pretty quickly. It's nuts, yeah. I last looked about a week ago, and I've tracked 800,000 characters mm -hmm. in the whole of just the alert bear. Hmm. So there is a lot of characters playing in this game. Mm -hmm. uh, it's nuts. Like, I know in Steam charts, it only shows maybe a peak of 24,000 a day? Yeah, a few thousand. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I think, well, obviously that's, that's a month of data, right? So it's feasible that there is, and bear in mind, this character is not players. So yes. multiple characters might be the same account or whatever. But, right. So say roughly, I don't know, there's, there's three characters on an account, right? That have mm -hmm. played alerts. That's still feasible about numbers are around about 200,000, which mm -hmm. is approximately right. I mean, I'd say that's probably about right for the player base of PS2. Wow. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, so I've designed this system in a way which can scale. Uh, so if PS2 gets a massive influx of players, which I can only hope it does, uh, it can do it. It can cope. And, I want to uh, <laughs> highlight one thing on this outfit tracker that I'm seeing that I think is kind of neat, which is yeah. they have a, li a live ranking page. For each server, and it's it it does it does rankings by outfit. And one of the things right. I love about this is that it somehow statistically picks an MVP for each outfit. Right. 
So you can see my Ant Dant is the MVP for KN1 on Emerald. Three-way, which sounds like it's Bushido Way's uh, Outfit Wars team. Um, yeah. Tome is the MVP. I think that's pretty, uh, that's pretty cool stuff. And you know what you mentioned about characters shape, uh, players shaping their own game? Uh-huh. Look at the server icons. Where do you think they've come from? Well, I see the PlayStation logo for Genudyne. Apart, apart from the play, PlayStation. Um, so the, the, the Cobalt, the Connor is the Emeralds. Where do you think they came from? This is testing your PS2 knowledge now. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I don't got this one. I don't know. No? They're from the Server Smash era. Oh. They are logos that the servers made themselves, and they used to represent as part of the Server Smash stuff. Which I think's... I, I didn't notice this. I would have spotted it just now, but... <laughs> The yeah. fact that, you know, they've got that in there and they're using those logos back from freaking five years ago mm -hmm. is just a testament to the quality and uh, level of commitment that this this community brings. It, it, it's They're all intertwined. In yeah. certain little ways, everyone's I intertwined. Stuff. I love this stuff. Yeah, great. This speaks to the heart of me. So, like, one of the... My... Probably, like, my... I, I had a few very formative gaming experiences, but the one most relevant here is when I was, um, gosh, I guess I was in the last couple of years of high school, I got involved in a Half-Life 1 mod called Team Fortress Classic, the predecessor to Team Fortress 2. And yeah. um, at the time, my family was transitioning from dial-up to broadband internet, and I got involved in the clan scene for that game. This was in the early 2000s, so there's no social media. I would just see a clan tag when I was playing in a public server, uh, no matchmaking in, in, the, in, those, in those days, and I would just t type in the server, hey, man, I like, I like your clan. Can I join? And they would say, yeah, go to this website and send an application. And, that, and, and then that website would have instructions about downloading Ventrilo, getting um, an IRC channel connected to so you can actually communicate. And it's this very, like, um, backwoods of the web kind of feeling. Yeah. I know and exactly what you mean. Yeah. Team Fortress Classic was a game that Valve, who made it, um, basically, at a certain point, it just let the game go. It stopped iterating on it. It stopped, it stopped making new content. Um, because of the way the game was, was created, players could have their own servers. And they could, do, they could do crazy stuff with it if they wanted to. And I played in a clan scene for about three years or so, uh, three and a half years, of that was entirely run for and by players right and i was actually a leader of a clan at that time um that had to field eight to nine players a couple times a week and i or and i played like 250 organized league matches or something like that and that to me was a formative experience that showed me the power of what gaming communities can do and the fact that it gives a chance for people like me and others folks like yourself, to jump in and help make the experience. And it gives me a real soft spot in my heart for stuff like this. Because in some ways, I kind of bounce off of the highly polished, highly finished gaming experiences where you can be totally passive. There's no way to really add to it as someone, as a part of the community. It's not made for that, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I like the incomplete creations. And I think mm. Planet Side is one of those. And I love 
yourself and all the other fine folks who are jumping in to help make it something better. I'm excited for the uh, the Alert League. I think you got to do it, man. Yeah, there's a, there's a bit of work to do before it's ready. Um, my objective, and I'm going to say a date here, which I'm probably going to miss drastically, I'm looking around about May uh, to sort of get that in place. Uh-huh. Um, the, the site at the minute has been very focused on stability. Uh, there are a few challenges at the moment with census the api where occasionally it doesn't uh respond in the way that we the devs expect um they are aware of that they've been looking into this um just wanted to put that out there which does unfortunately mean occasionally alerts don't trigger in in the site Mm. but there are a few things i could do to make that a lot more stable but so one in maybe i don't know 100 might get missed Mm -hmm. that might be Prime, it could be a prime alert or it could be a dead alert that no one gives a toss about or one that really people it really hurts when I see it when it happens in a prime it really pisses me off but yeah, yeah it's just one of the challenges 1% is face. a high amount though when it comes to API calls well you gotta think though the amount of sheer amount of API calls I make to that site so yeah. right let's give you some context when a player kills another player if I don't know about that if I haven't cached that data if I don't know about those two players I have to ask census who are they who are mm. these people that that's just happened and get their outfit information could also for example need information about the weapon they've used so if i nuke my cash census gets bombarded with literally thousands and thousands of requests potentially a second mm-hmm. it's nuts uh so i do have a cash in layer yes and um devs you can trust that i use our api responsibly um <laughs> and uh yeah it, it's 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 crazy you gotta think like Across the whole of the game, I think if I, I think I've figured it out, I think there's 800 kills every five seconds. Okay. That's, okay. That's that's 800 messages that the system's gonna if if there's an alert and all all the all the servers at the same time, and there has been times that that's happened where I literally the system has to process 800 messages a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got some clever queuing mechanisms in there in case it can't quite handle it, but um, but yes, yeah, it's it, it's nuts. Like census. I, I I I slag it off daily sometimes, but uh, it's a phenomenal system. And and this is actually one of the points I wanted to make is that uh, no other game I know has something like this that has a system that players can freely, freely, I might add, able to pull and grab data from or whatever. I, I don't know of a game like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the only game that came close might have been Overwatch. Actually, no, no, it wasn't Overwatch. I had to do page scraping for that. That was fun. Oh, yes. um, but I, I don't know a game of that caliber that does it. That's pretty uh, cool. Which for me makes PlantSide quite unique. Put the power um, in the hands of the players. PlantSide's all about, baby. Absolutely. I think I think Smite might have something similar, but okay. you know, something completely different. Uh, so yeah, I think it's just unique in a way. But you know, the devs give us these tools and. Yeah. Yeah, while it may not be 100% perfect, it certainly does 99.9% of what we want to do, mainly. And mm. uh, and I think if the devs do spend some time into doing and, you know, improving that, then that, that relationship can only get better. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so obviously, as I said, digressing a bit there, but yeah, I think the Alert League stuff is definitely coming. I definitely want to do it. Um, I, if I can, try to get tangible actual rewards into the game. So my current envisionment is a title. Uh, 
for the winning factions in each server. Uh, and obviously, I've got to talk with them quite a lot to make that happen. But Yeah, no um, guarantees there yet, right? No, no guarantees that's yeah. whatsoever. But even if I don't get those guarantees and, and uh, they, they say to me, this isn't feasible, this is not what I want to do, fine, I'll still do it anyway. <laughs> Uh, because it just gives the purpose of that. So the, the the intent is to sort of like get the get the site's name out there, and obviously being on the launch has helped a lot with that. Um, but yeah, just sort of word of mouth in terms of like you know, here's this site that you know if you play an alert, you're on it and stuff like that. So straight yeah, up, that's straight up, ps2alerts.com. Everyone, go check it out. Absolutely. Well, Maelstrom, um, anything else that you want to talk about? Um, I think I guess if if you want, we can talk about the uh, sort of the upcoming stuff that the devs have planned. I'm sure you've seen the uh, yeah the, the stream they did the 2021 stream. Yeah, I did a yeah that's right the road actually. Yeah, what right. what stands out at you? So two things mainly: uh, the NSO rehaul overhaul, NSO overhaul. Remember they did, mm-hmm. they did a terrible joke in the stream. I remember that quite nicely. NS- uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, NSO overhaul. That was it. Yeah, very cool. Uh, yeah, that's that's an interesting one. So the fact that they're opening that for uh, for all people to play is yeah. good. Um, good. NSO and I have a few players in Dig that play NSO quite regularly, and I get to hear a few really strange things. What do you think the draw uh, of NSO is? For folks who don't know, NS- and so Planetide is traditionally a three-faction game. NSO is essentially a neutral robot faction that h- historically have functioned as kind of like a mercenary faction. They reinforce yeah. whatever the low-population faction on a continent is. Um, yeah. And uh, I think people either bounce off of it completely or play it a ton, and from what I've seen. What's your, what's your perception of it? The, the way it's it is personal- yeah, so my personal perception at the minute, uh, there's a few things for me that stops it playing it, obviously because I'm a Vanu uh, character, but also it's mainly down to the fact that um, it's it's just behind a paywall. Uh, so yep. PS2 being the nature of the beast it is, it's free to play. Uh, so they've tried to advertise NSO as like a member perk, but it didn't quite work that way. Uh, it, it just... Things you've got multiple layers of friction, right? So you've got a paywall, which is the biggest friction. Then you've got character slots, which aren't unlimited. You you hit a character limit. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you also got the fact that you can't guarantee who you play with, which I think's yeah not good for the experience. That's uh, where it breaks down for po- me. Yeah, it's just one of the points they've made in the stream is that as yeah. a member very clever how they did that as a member you can pick and choose who you fight with so you can play as a robot and you can have access to all their guns or whatever uh oh, and you can also join outfits okay i think that's how they're doing it if i remember correctly uh so it, it's 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 very intelligently done and if it's done executed correctly it could be really successful mm-hmm. uh from what i remember they are adding tanks mbts for a faction um mm-hmm. they're adding their own well, I might get this wrong, but might, I think they're adding their own ESF, and uh, they're basically putting it into parity with the rest of the uh, rest of the other factions, which I think is good. So the idea um, is flush it out, of course. NSO yeah. has always been an incomplete faction, um, although they've been slowly beefing it up. Like it didn't have maxes originally, um, yeah. has those now. A bunch of other stuff, tanks, as you said, um, but originally it was 
kind of like an outlet for solo play that was there for yeah. you if you were a member, if you subscribed. And, yeah. and a solo outlet, because you can't really... There's no reliable way to play with others unless you're also playing with other robots, which is... It, and yeah. it ended up being too much of a niche, I think, for the community to actually absolutely take right. hold. Yeah, um, absolutely right. And I think, I think, what yeah. I hear you saying they've proposed, and I love, and uh, we can talk about it some more, is that the split will no longer be members can get NSO, but they can't group with, but they can't group with the faction that, that, that they want to, or non-members just, just don't get it. Now everyone can play as NSO, but if you're a member, you can decide what faction to reinforce. Is that the way yeah. it's going to work? I think that's the way it's going to work, yeah. I think, if I remember correctly, they can also join outfits of the faction you choose. Yeah, I hear Ground that Game sounds... tripping in from the chat saying, it's a vacation for vets with too much time and money. He did it for a while. A hobby, more or less. Yeah. If you like the game a lot and want to have an excuse to get some more playtime, and it gives you another axis of progression, some new toys to play with. I, I see it as PS2 hard mode. <laughs> <laughs> You're literally gimping yourself, right? Because you don't have yeah. access to all the guns that you want. Uh, you may, for example, I, I'm a bit of a. I used to be a light assault main, but I'm actually a BS heavy main now. I'm a sweaty heavy now. <laughs> oh, so light assault, man. Man, I'm after my own heart. Yeah, I used to be one of those bastard C4 fairies that nuked your sunder a bit anyway. Uh, oh, I see. So, one of those yeah, light so, assaults. Yeah, one of those. <laughs> uh yeah so so uh yeah I, I got quite into i wanted to do the heavy directive so i got all my lmgs and actually i fell in love with the beetlejuice hey, yeah, love it. hey it's a good gun it's yeah, a good yeah. gun um it's actually quite interesting you mentioned before about like you know what stats are surprised you out of the alert matter and one of them was the beetlejuice okay considering the fact that and i've mentioned this in the monthly reports considering the fact that it's a directive weapon not everyone has access to it but yet it's the third biggest killing weapon in the whole of the alert map hmm. is 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 a very very interesting kind of sugar power. for certain for certain people yeah uh, right behind I the remember... it's cousin neo ryan yes uh yeah awesome. absolutely interesting and i think i forget actually yeah just looking at that no other directive weapons anywhere close to uh being anywhere even in the top 10 or even in the top 20 i don't think uh, yeah, i don't see any others here so it's there's something about the beetle that people love, and we've I've explored this quite a bit in Reddit posts and stuff like that. That a lot of people are, are, are attracted to it because uh, generally, well, this game's been out for a long time. Mm -hmm. If somebody has got the beetle, they'll have got the beetle by now. If mm -hmm. they really wanted to play it, if it's a new player, that's something different. But but generally, it's the only go-to directive weapon. I don't hear about uh, the Goss whatever it's the Goss or I think it's the, the Goss God so yeah, being like the de facto norm for heavy assault on NC mm -hmm. or the car or whatever the the butcher sorry for our TR. Yeah, they're more niche um, weapons. Yeah, the more niche versus the the beetle, which is a lot more. Well, it's like the Orion, but with a heat mechanic. Essentially, that's how I describe it. Yeah. It is. Uh, so it, it's it's interesting that you know just because of that heat mechanic, which some people think is OP, some people don't. I personally get very pissed off when I can't reload. Uh, because I've used one one too many bullets in a burst, and I, I've fucked for about eight <laughs> seconds. That's killed me many times. I'm, but I'm just a bad player like that. Uh, me both, brother. 
Actually, yeah, uh, Noah CA just made a good point that, uh, you know, I think the OP part of it, Kamikaze uh, did a very good video on this recently, so go check it out if you're interested in it, mm-hmm. uh, is the fact that you can reload with your secondary gun. Yeah. So you can, you can fire it all the way and then hit the hit, hit heat mechanic and then swap to another gun and reload that way. Yeah, that's, a, reload. Th- 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 that's the meta, like... There, there, there are mechanics in other games that like reload your stowed weapons, and that just borrows from that idea. But uh, I, you I put that intentional idea. You put it on <laughs> on a primary weapon for the 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 primary foot soldier class in the game, and you quickly see how its popularity would run rampant. I think yeah, if, so. if you put that, I imagine if you put that mechanic on any other LMG, it too would be highly represented, no matter yeah. what its other properties were. I. Uh... Kamikaze has kind of set up uh, certain things in motion. I think that that is going to be nerfed out. Of you the think gun. so? Interesting. I, I have that, not watched that video that yet. I gotta, I gotta take a picture. You should. It's, it's, it's really good analysis of the gun. Uh, Kami's done a really good job on that. Um, if you're listening, Kami, good work, mate. Uh, but yeah, it is, it's interesting. So yeah, definitely watch it. Uh, mm-hmm. it. It highlights quite a few flaws with the design of the gun, but also the uniqueness of the gun as well. I think this is the uniqueness point that brings it to a lot of players. Is mm-hmm. that you know, it's it's the heat mechanic. I think that is the unique part of it. Whereas the other guns are just same crap. You know, one of them has yeah, they're all the just gun, LMGs. Then they shoot differently. You reload them. You know. Yeah, yeah. The saw has uh, an alternate fire mode that shoots armor piercing bullets, which don't do that much damage. But you can know, you can do a lot of things like that, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I. I that sounds like the old. Uh... Planet Side One Vanu mechanic, where the uh, oh yeah, the pulsar, the pulsar had the alternate oh, yeah. fire mode. I, I actually remember wasn't wasn't there a brief time where the Lasher had an alternate fire mode? Yeah, I, I think I, th- I do. The Planet uh, Side One special... Lasher, man. Yeah. Oh, that was a beast. I love that Lasher. I the... still love the Lasher now. It's, it's, if you look at my stats, it's one of my top guns. <laughs> I've not I've not been able to get into the Lasher. Actually, I haven't been able to get into into heavy assault at all. I just for me, putting putting jetpacks on an infantry class is just all I fucking need. Like, yeah. I, I used know. to be one of those little tower shitters that went to the top of the towers and just as soon as you came out of the tower, bam, with a shotgun and yeah, that, that was me <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> I, I was a sneaky motherfucker. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think I've just I just shifted to different things. Um, my, my 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 new favorite thing, and when I say new, I mean like in the last year, because I. Planet is a game that I usually play pla- I play passionately for like a couple months out of every year, and I just get myself a long-ass cooldown from it. I have an ADD brain. I try a lot of different things. just the way I work. Right, right. But I, whenever I come back to Planet Side, I'll always, I'll always try to find an excuse to use the crossbow on my, uh, yeah. my light assault and try to go around and troll because you get those, um, those two-tap kills where it's, it's crossbow knife, crossbow knife. Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, I just whenever I get kills that way, I always feel like I am like cheating. It feels yeah. incredible. I love it. What one nerf recently was the uh, the recon darts for the crossbow. Uh, so when I yeah did uh, outfit wars last time or uh, various service matches back in the day, you were able to well, you still are able to equip recon bolts to the the crossbow. Right. And I used to just spam the living shit out of where I thought enemies were uh-huh. and just. This blanketed area of recon darts, which mm-hmm. they've nerfed now from I think twenty eleven to four, which is unfortunate. But um, 
So that for me was a little bit of a hard, hard sort of nerf for me, but you know, it didn't stop me playing the game. It was a very niche thing I did. Usually when I was like hardcore commanding like a platoon or whatever, like Diggy runs a tactical platoons, not not tactical, tactical because we're hip like that. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, where we have a full sort of PLSL kind of setup. Normally we run quite casually wherever PL and if SL wants to uh, micromanage them, so be it, but not required. Uh, yeah, so when it was in that kind of context, I used to do stuff like that where you know we were proper hardcore about things. Um, so yeah, you know, it's, but there's little things against that. You can use uh, scout flashes. Command, I call them command flash. I have a very particular flash with the uh, the ball on it with a little uh, yeah. red, yellow ball on it. Yeah, you want a Yeah, so I just use those. I just you know when I'm looking at the map, just tootle around in this flash, you know, just to keep keep scout radar for everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's just little things like that, really. <laughs> I always make this game quite quite cool. Yeah, for, for um, folks who are interested in in the the strategy dimension of the game, and have an avenue to express it, like they can actually be part, contribute to leadership in an outfit. Like that's a very unique, it's a very unique thing in gaming in general. Um, yeah, absolutely. In, in a way, like, do you remember Natural Selection? Did you ever play that game? I did a little bit. Um, yeah, but what, what was your going on? I never played I never played the sequel in Natural Selection 2, but I played the first game, which was a, a heavily modded Half-Life 1 mod. And oh. there was on the Marines, it was Marines versus Aliens, and it was asymmetrical. That was what's cool about it. It was asymmetrical, it had all these like these strategy elements of progression, and it was of course shooting. Um yeah. and on the Marine side, there was one character you could play who was like the commander mm-hmm. character, where you kind of yeah. had a top-down view of the map, and everyone else had a first-person view of the map. Which yeah. was very it was first time I'd ever seen that done. Um and yeah. it, like what you're describing sounds a lot like that. Like Yeah. The only game that's ever cool. come only games ever come close to Plaza 2 in that regard is Battlefield twenty one forty two. Uh huh. did you ever play that? I did not. No. But I had a very similar thing where I think Hell Let Loose has something similar as well at the minute. Uh and I think Squad as well. Where you have a commander who was able to call in assets. Like, literally, they had orbital strikes, which you could uh-huh. kill people with. Uh, they had uh, the ability to place uh, supply packs. You know, stuff like that, which, little things like that are in Blackside 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think, I don't know if they've directly took reference from it. I mean, we'll never know, because I'm not a dev, but, uh, yeah, I'm fairly sure it's had a little bit of influence for that. Um, okay. It's almost like, they also had Bastion, uh, Titan, sorry. Very similar to Bastions. What was oh, really, really cool about the Titans, though, is that you could fight inside them. If Planetside is able to make some sort of system, dynamic system, which I don't think engine-wise they can really do, but if they're able yes. to pull that off where you can you can uh, have a jump pad, for example, that pings <laughs> you off to the Bastion, you can mm-hmm. fight inside the Bastion to take out the core of the Bastion. Oh, that would be just... Yeah, board it. That, 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 board that, yeah, the you Bastion, board it. take it over. But I'm sure people are going to be screaming and thinking that has fucked me. That sounds like a fuck fest. But <laughs> I'm sure it would be terrible. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's probably why they've not done it. But uh, you know, if you can somehow limit that, where like I don't know, it's like a, a, 20, a well, two squad limit, for example. So like, yeah, I guess it's, it's kind of interesting, and this is at the risk of opening a bigger topic. Um, so outfit wars, when it was first announced, was kind of kind of surprising to me because up till then I had seen. Planet side constantly make decisions that to me seemed like they were only wanting to invest in the sandbox part of the game, the live sandbox game. 
And I thought that at the time that that was a conscious decision to not pull people away from the sandbox. Because everything in the game contributes to the sandbox. Everything you buy can be played in the sandbox, can be showed in the sandbox. And if you have people who are off in some other game mode, then that risks diminishing the, the sandbox in some way. Since yeah. then we've seen Sanctuary. We've seen Outfit Wars. And um, I had a conversation with... Um, gosh, who was it with? It's going to come to me later, but... Uh, I'll credit them whenever my brain starts working again. Uh, about um, other game modes in Planet Side, like why, why can't we have like an inventory, like six v six format? Why don't we have all these side game modes? And it's especially interesting to me when you look at what Planet Side Arena was trying to do. Oh, it was I, I was I was talking to Alan Lapidus, the the artist from Rogue Planet, and he was saying, well, the idea behind Planet Side Arena was to take this existing IP with all this juice in it and to create like different kinds of ways to play. That's kind of like a lobby experience. Mm -hmm. And I see Outfit Wars. I wonder how far, how much of an appetite there is within RPG to actually explore the idea of spinning up more planet-side game modes. The community clearly wants it. We want Server Smash. We want Infantry League. We want... There are so many permutations we can all think of. Mm -hmm. Um... I know that all those things require huge amounts of effort. Like, look, I'm not saying it's simple and it's about flipping a switch. It, maybe they want to do it, but the, the, the cost of doing it is prohibitive in some way. Maybe it's down the line. I don't know. But, like, I find myself just being like, man, it would have been pretty cool if they could have taken, like, Planet Side Arena and Planet Side 2 and, like, kind of smushed them together. Yeah. Like, like have your character be your Planet Side 2 character, but play it in Planet Side Arena game modes. Um, yeah. And I think one of the things that Alan reflected on is that in hindsight, it was unfortunate that what they were directed to lead with was a battle royale when that wasn't yeah. really the fundamental DNA of arena, but that's what it, because that's what it came out with. And it, and it came out competition with apex, which you just was an impossible ask. Yeah. Um, things just didn't go well there, but if, if it came out, if it came out a couple of years before, maybe it could have been, yeah yeah definitely the, the the timing it could it could come out earlier before apex when fortnite was still a little less known um mm -hmm. definitely but then uh, the same studio also had h1z1 going at that time so it's true it's like competing against itself kind of thing yeah i don't actually know um i don't know the, the sense i get is that the, the people who the 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 creative visionaries uh when they said about to make arena battle royale wasn't really what they wanted wasn't really the the, the center of their vision it was just mm -hmm. kind of like okay yeah we can use this to make an arena uh, a battle royale if we need to and that was yeah. the business business direction that was chosen for those creative people um, i think so. though like as a player though i think there was a two minds about arena i didn't actually get to play it because it was just before i came back but okay. uh, I was in two minds about it when I heard about it. Um, first of all, in a sense, it felt like a bit of a betrayal. Um, yeah. Where, you know, they were promising, you know, to expand the PS2 game and invest in it and expand it. Mm -hmm. So, creating an entirely new product, which, while granted, is in the Part 2 IP, that's not und undeniable. Uh, 
that was almost a direct. It was pulling players out of an already at the time very limited, like struggling game in terms of populace. Mm-hmm. Bringing that out into another game, which the counter argument for that was that other game could bring in people to the other game. They could symbiotic, but it wasn't perceived that way. I don't think a lot of people fought that argument. I did not. No, no. A lot of people saw it. And I'm going to be brutally honest. Saw people, people saw it as a cash grab. Yeah. They were, they were riding on the already quite beaten horse of Battle Royale. Um, no one, a lot of people didn't favor it. A lot of people were just whatever. Uh, There's a very vocal amount of people, which is, I think, this throws back to why the devs are a little quiet sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, where they're trying something, they get fucking shat on by the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously, after that, you, why would you bother? Uh, yeah. Right? So it's, it's one of those real tricky lines to run. And yeah. I, think, I think if they put that in the base game as a game mode, that would have been received a ton better than a separate product. And there might have been reasons why they did it as a separate product, probably engine uh, at the time. I don't Actually, ironically, Arena dying has helped the normal game. Because yeah, because there were all, all, these... all yeah, all, all the engine optimizations and all the assets, the Bastion carries, they came from Arena, right? And they were brought into and some I know, I know the Bastion, and... yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I know the Bastion asset and the Colossus asset have been in the game sort of under the hood for quite a long time, but uh, I forget. I, I was just about to say the name of the guy, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say right. I'll come to him in a minute. Uh, Steve-O! Steve-O from BRTD from Miller designed the Bastion Carrier, little known fact. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Yeah, I think it's Steve-O. I, I promise someone's going to be horribly correct me, but or it might be one of the PS2 does. Uh, but no, I think, I think one of them, there was some involvement with the Carrier there. Uh, anyway, uh, so, yeah, it, it's it's interesting how they've, 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 you know, not had a total loss from Arena. Uh, mm-hmm. They're the, the going to stab at it. As you mentioned, it's a long, wrong time, wrong, wrong place for it. It wasn't really well done uh, in terms of comms, but mm-hmm. apparently it was a quite a solid experience. Um, it, but the problem is for the game is that it, it's it's kind of like designed around having large populace, which it didn't get. <laughs> right. So, so yeah. are you familiar at all with Wyatt Cheng? He's the um, one of the lead people on the Diablo Immortal project. Do you recall the announcement of Diablo Immortal, where oh, they the, unveiled? The, do you not have mobile? Do you not have mobile phones? He's the guy who said, "Do you guys not have phones?" Like he's yeah, the guy who it. said it. So yeah. I learned some interesting context around the situation from again from Alan. I talked to him a couple weeks ago, um, and what he explained is that um, Wyatt Chang is like the like one of the veteran diablo guys at blizzard and apparently the process of making diablo 3 was like hell on earth it was an awful literally 10 year long process of getting that game to where it ended up being and he was he was like one of the lead guys on the hook and he put his life on hold to make that project and he kind of was so when it came time when it came time to work on a new diablo property um, the idea of making a mobile game was something that he jumped on because he wanted a project to work on that was not going to be another major primary platform release. He wanted okay. to buy a smaller chunk for himself 
for his quality of life. He'd been through hell on earth. He put his family on hold, like all the sacrifices you hear about developers making, he made. And he was up for making a mobile game. He could do that. And he came out and announced the mobile game, and we all know how the reception went. Yeah. And it shows how a lot of decisions that kind of make sense. The need to make more Diablo stuff, check. People are hungry for it. Yeah. There's an appetite for mobile games. Like, I know we as, like, core platform players maybe feel a little funny about that, but it's true. The appetite for mobile games vastly exceeds the appetite for PC and console games. And mm-hmm. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Yes. And um, we have uh, the lead Diablo guy who's completely burned out and needs something that's a little more modest in scope. So mm-hmm. that all these things make sense, but they still fucked it up majorly because they misread their community, right? They misread their community. Just about to say, it's, it's about knowing their audience. Absolutely. Yeah. And they're... There might, have, there might have been a way for them to package up Diablo Immortal in a way people would accept it. It wasn't that way. Mm-hmm. It wasn't in front of a convention of people who are Blizzard diehards who are there on the back of mainly PC games. Mm-hmm. Um, it was not the right audience to, de- to debut it for. And Diablo Immortal could be a great game, for all we know. I don't know. Um, did, it I, never, did it never see the day of light then? Did it never get released? I, I don't think it did. And I don't, I don't know exactly what, what's going on with it. I know that there's been some stuff in the news recently where, Blizz, where Activision bought out a studio who was doing contract work for, for Activision. And they've replaced hmm. Team One at Blizzard, who was working on the Diablo sequel. And they're right. going to be working on whatever's coming next for Diablo. Um, that must be so soul just soul as in Diablo. Huh? Uh, soul just crushing though. Uh, yes. When 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 you're up on a stage like which is stressful enough, to then have literally everyone boo you to the ground like yes. Oh, like like I, like I have imposter syndrome like sometimes when I've worked at different companies. Mm-hmm. So I've had it every time. It's something that happens to I think every dev at that point in their lives where they've they've got into this job and thinking, fuck me, how did I land this job? Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's, there's that element, the little sort of niggling your head, just doubting you. But if you have, that's just your own validation, right? I, I don't know if you've experienced something similar. Definitely. But if you've got people literally booing you for all, as you mentioned, like, by the sounds of it, he's, he's absolutely poured his heart and soul into this product. And you, you go to publicly bring it to the world, or you just get pissed on like that. Oh. It take it, it that must have hurt the rock that guy to his car. Like I can't imagine what that would have been to someone. Like, I can't either. No, it, it's it, hard to think about. And like I, th- I think I, that I, I tried to bring this up, but it sounds like that that if for certain types of people that could have been enough to top of them. If that makes yeah, sense. Be be done in I, game dev. I don't know what what Wyatt Chang's doing today, um, but the whole reason I brought that up is thinking about Arena. Yeah. I think there are some people who are pretty passionate about Arena. I mean, Cardo um, was the lead designer on it, I believe. All right. Um, you know, we saw him move over to Planetside 2 for a short time after Planetside Arena went away, but then he moved on. He's doing something else now. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Alan, uh, when I talked to him, said that Arena was kind of Cardo's baby. It was his vision. Mm-hmm. And 
I imagine he felt crushed by that too. Absolutely. Um, and it's very hard because making games is fucking hard as hell and it's getting harder every single year and there's yeah. so much money involved and it's so complicated to try to wrangle a creative vision that might be good through all the things you have to deal with to actually get it in people's hands. Um, and I think about the Wyatt Changs, I think about the Cardos, I think about the Rells of the world who are out there putting themselves as developers who daily, day in and day out, have to put themselves between gamers who have a bigger voice than ever and who can so easily amplify incredibly negative, harsh signal. And, yeah. um, and I think about the publishers who hold so much power over these developers and prevent mm -hmm. them necessarily and prevent them from engaging in communication in a way that humans are programmed to communicate and not, yeah. not even directly. Like you don't need to have your publisher tell you not to talk about stuff to know you shouldn't talk about stuff. Like, mm -hmm. um, everyone knows where the money comes from. Everyone knows where you have to go to get things approved and get soft technology you need and get people you need on board to make things like mm. it's just how it's made. One of the things, one of the things that I really worry about long-term big, big picture is the, the things we're seeing in the gaming industry, labor practices and mm -hmm. the compound effects of those kinds of situations I just described. I really, I think that I started saying earlier in our conversation how publishers have traditionally had the big voice. Gamers have gotten that big voice. They're now in control. Yeah. And developers, I think, can oftentimes get crushed between those two voices. Mm. And I really want a way for developers to get out there, give their message. That's part of the reason I'm excited to talk about, to talk to the Alan Lapiduses of the world, the Rels of the world, even to you. Or even though you're not actually developing working on the game, you are making the tools that the gamers use, and you do have an opportunity to actually connect more closely with those with the people who are working on the game as a result. Like we're all people. We all got families. We all have our creative vision that gets compromised to the nth degree by what's mm -hmm. practical and what's possible. Yeah. And I mean it's 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 a very I mentioned this before, it's a very, it's, it's almost like if you're a game dev who is semi-public, so the Rels, the, the Cartos, it's, it's, it's like a, a very shaky tightrope. So you're in a circus, all the people are booing at you because you're doing a shit job in their eyes, uh, you know, and you're walking this tightrope where you could say one thing that could end your career. It, it, the amount of pressure that must put people under is phenomenal. I can't work in that environment. It's like, the kind of whoever... pressure that, that, that the CEOs take on. You know? Mm. CEOs oh, who... Unless you Elon Musk, who doesn't give a toss, but... <laughs> yeah, Musk is a great example. Like, he's constantly running his mouth. Yeah. <laughs> I have nothing bad to say about Elon Musk, but he's an interesting figure, for sure. Mm. Um, but that level of responsibility in being the face of something is something that usually is something that, that CEOs accept astronomical amounts of pay for. And part yeah. of the reason that pay is so high is because people don't want that job because it's really hard and really punishing. Yeah. So the market for that job, there's a high demand for it. And, but, but the supply of actually 
competent people to do it is not as high. At least that's the way I think it works. I'm not really a, I'm not really sophisticated at that level of business. That's just what I've perceived. Um, and I think that more than now, more than than ever, there's a need, there's a there's a demand for for developers to get out there and tell their stories, but the mm -hmm. risks of doing so are so high. Um, it's very hard to do. Um, I don't know what the answer is, man. But I I I I sometimes worry that we're going to drive off that the gamers are going to drive off developers with our big voices and our big yeah, consumer I'm powers. I mean that kind of that that does touch on what we were mentioning earlier about technology and how over the course of the couple of decades that we've been gamers that uh how how it's just vastly shifted like mm -hmm. you know you know these these black slabs in our hands were not a thing twenty years ago mm -hmm. like imagine what it's going to be like in another twenty years like yeah what is gaming going to be in twenty years is it going to be VR is it going to be that we're all hooked in the matrix and like frigging you know going on Tron style, you know, stuff like that. Gabe uh, Newell's it, bullish on brain interfaces, man. Ah, yeah, you mentioned that. I know Elon Musk was also work, working on a brain interface as well, so that's yes. interesting tech. Uh, the Did whole thing about AI. Cyborg? You know, actually, so, <laughs> so a, bit, a bit of a digression, but I, I play a strategy game called Stellaris. I don't know yeah. if you've seen it. I'm familiar. Uh, yeah, so... One of the things you can do in there is you can essentially turn your entire human, your human race, whatever, into sack dogs. You can okay. totally get rid of the flesh. It's, it's actually called something in the game called the flesh is weak. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can convert them all to cyborgs. I Why think that is that? achievable. Oh, well, well, in, in, in the, the game, game mechanics, in the, in the game, you basically uh, research technologies over the course of like hundreds of years, and then eventually. Uh, Having a decision where they start slowly converting all the populace to uh, to, to upload their minds into machines, um, and then you're gaining some some people might say OP as shit buffs where you get like fifteen percent more resources. Whatever. Is there a a cost to that perk? Like, is is there a downside to it? It's massive time. Oh, I mean, in terms of uh, well, the time investment is huge. It's, oh, it just it in order about, to get there. Yeah. Yeah, it takes about solid fifty years. Uh, the games run for. I think 2200 uh, till about 2500, 300 years ish. Uh, yeah. So it's a bit chunky of time. Um, yeah. Got it. Yeah, there's like various, like, you know. Okay. Because you're a robot, you've got to use energy and whatever. Yeah, but, I, I, uh, I was just curious if I had like a, you know, upside, research faster, downside, uh, you're more likely to have existential crises that kill off parts of the population. I don't know. Like, I, I don't play the game. Yes. I just know what it, it does. does. It does. If if a certain amount of population is in the game is cyborgs, an event triggers where basically terminators happen, and <laughs> all of the uh, all of the cy all the cyborgs unite into one faction and uh, massively overpowered and destroy the whole galaxy. It's it's great. I love it. <laughs> oh boy, I absolutely love it. So you um, yourself becoming a cyborg? It would never happened in my life. Did you get the, the brain interface implant if it was available? I think yes, and I think no. So there's an interesting topic, which I don't think we're going to go too much into, but uh, there's an interesting topic about how humans have a futile existence, and probably for good reason. Uh, okay. You've seen these, like, black, I, think, I think Black Mirror did it, but I've seen, uh, at least in books, where, you know, it, it, it trifles with immortality. Uh, one book I was, oh, that was it, Altered Carbon. Yes, I've seen Netflix. that. 
Yeah. So also Carmen does a very similar thing where, you know, the human mind is uploaded to some server somewhere. And it, yeah, it's portable. You know, yeah, you, you cheat death. Uh, and there's ways to not cheat death as well, which is quite just what the little thing goes into. Like you could actually kill someone if you do it right. Uh, yeah, so it's interesting. I think I think I would. Purely because, like, you know, look at me. I'm no, I'm no like, backup fitness plan. guru. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, backup plan, dude. Put, put your consciousness on ice. But that, 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 brings a, that brings an interesting sort of discussion around, like, if you saw your own clone, what would you feel about the clone? Um, yeah, it's interesting sort of philosophy. Yeah, anyway. for, for me, one of the, the things I, I always trip up, oh, it depends how far you go. Like, if we're talking about, like, like getting a phone put in my arm, like, that sounds kind of cool. Like, yeah. something I can still tap out, like, have a, like, like a feedback and a touch screen or whatever. Some way to do yeah. it. Skin screen. Um, yeah. But, like, we're talking about stuff that goes to, it, it, it interfaces with your mind. That gets a little more interesting. And then we talk mm-hmm. about stuff, like, where your mind becomes portable is another, is another level, too, altogether. Like, mm-hmm. I think about just how dependent our minds are on our bodies. Mm-hmm. And... Um, the things that happen to us when when parts of our bodies don't function well like i learned last year that my body has adhd um which is something that i have dealt with my entire life and i've come up with all these coping strategies to deal with but i never knew what it was but learning about it learning about the medication and learning how to actually deal with it has done two things number one it's let me start working on fixing a bunch of shit that I've never known how to deal with before. And number two, um, it's uh, underlined for me just how much I'm not just a, a mind, like uh, uh, an independent mind that happens to be seated in this body. Like yeah. the, 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 it's much more interconnected than I used to kind of personally think. And um, like on days where I don't get out and take a walk, do some kind of exercise, I feel miserable and grumpy. Like there are all these like animalistic things about the mind that are directly connected to the body. And, Absolutely. Uh, I don't know. There's, th- there's, there's a threshold there. Yeah. I mean, there is the old saying, you know, the body and the mind are one. Treat them as such. Um, Very Eastern kind of way of looking at it as well. It is. Absolutely. And I think, you know, some Eastern cultures have absolutely you know yoga that's where yoga came from i believe right so you know they've got that that the whole spirit and the mind are one you know kind of thing they're all interconnected and that's right we are under the hood machines imagine a gaming machine where you've got a damaged cpu or a faulty ram like you can see the ram is sort of like your your brain in a way where if that's faulty you get blue screens of death uh you, you crash so it's an interesting analogy, sort of like you know, bringing it down into sort of. Oh my god, a cyborg implant crash sounds terrifying. Oh god, actually, I think I forget what it was now. What movie I watched, but there was a movie where basically there were players in it. It might have been uh, Welcome Player One, maybe Ready Player One. I, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they were on about. I think it's on about like sort of like the whole of humanity sort of gone into this sort of. St- like stagnant state where you know you're living in sprawls but they're all hooked into like um, a virtual interface that is like the virtual internet essentially it's interesting now they can sort of like play in that and and have personas in that that are not available in real life so like you'd see somebody in real life but then it's like really famous in this uh 
this um, mm-hmm. this virtual world. The virtual world becomes more real than the real one. Yeah, and then the, the, so I think in the film they sort of go into how mm-hmm. uh, they interact. They didn't know each other, but then they realized, oh my god, you're this person, this person. The, you know, whatever. It's it's go watch it. It's a great film. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's interesting how, like as I mentioned before, that like, going back to my original point of like, you know, I think the human mind is infinite, it's finite for a reason. I think we're not designed as a species really to to live forever. Um, I think there is a certain level of, as you mentioned, like you know, mental mental health stuff. Which thank you for sharing, by the way. It's much uh, much appreciated uh, when people share stuff for that. Cause I'm totally honest about that stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think a lot more people need to be. Uh, I'm actually uh, hoping to be a mental health uh, aid worker in in the place I work at. Who they're not qualified psychologists or anything like that, but just someone to talk to about stuff. Well, bless um, you. People need those things. Absolutely. Um, someone who I talked to a few months back is a a, a WoW classic streamer, and he is a recovering uh, drug addict. Right. Um, and a big part of his recovery is helping people who are also trying to recover. Hmm. Um, like it's uh, and I think Russell's seeing just a movement in general where are are you familiar with a uh, healthy gamer? No, but go. On. A Healthy Gamer is a, a Twitch stream and YouTube channel. Um, a Harvard-trained psychiatrist, uh, clinical psychiatrist named uh, Dr. Alok Kanochia, I think his name is. Dr. K goes by. But okay. he's kind of uh, having this incredible thing where he's popularizing mental health among gamers and people who consume streaming content in particular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I think is very, very cool. What, what, what motivated you to kind of take that on, uh, the mental health assistance stuff? A lot of it is down to my own experiences. So, like, you see me right now, this is, you know, the, the normal me. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, everyone has, and I've spoken to this, said something to this, who's probably watching this stream right now recently, saying that, you know, uh, everyone has the pe- peaks and troughs. Like, you see people on a good day, and this is me on a good day. You see, and you have people that you do not see at all on their bad day. Right. And this is why I hate social media sometimes. So, so, social media. Yeah, yeah. You see very small, tiny pinhole glimpses into people's lives. Mm-hmm. You do not get the full person at yeah. all. Uh, it's it's quite an interesting thing where we've gone to the society structure now, where you're expected to be perfect. You're expected to, you know, have good teeth, have good, like, you know, not lift. Yeah, well, maybe it might be fat or anything like that, you know. Oh Stuff yeah, like that. Uh, oh yeah. People yeah. understand the, the the effect of their appearance more than ever. Yeah, and like you know, for most people, it takes great balls to um, whatever the woman equivalent of that is uh, to, uh, <laughs> to join stuff like this and, and reveal yourselves. Like nobody yeah. knew who my face was. Uh, obviously, people know your face because you do it quite regularly. But this is yeah. this is the I guess the first public appearance for me in, in terms of. Ah. Uh, video. It's your face coming so, out. Welcome, Maelstrom yeah, Space. I guess so, yeah. yeah, I guess so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, people it's in It's a pleasant though, who... face. I don't mind it at all. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Flattering. Thank you, darling. Uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it, it's, it's an interesting social commentary, really, but um, in, in, the, in the sakes, I'm not going too digressing into it, but I think, as I say, like, there's certain human elements that 
just aren't designed for longevity. Uh, I think mental health is certainly one of them. So I think over time, and, and the Alter Carver goes into this quite interestingly, where the mind corrupts over time, over the years, the eons or whatever, the decades that pass. Mm-hmm. The minds change, and the, the, our minds, like, I'm a different person than I was 10 years ago. Yeah. Like, 10 years ago, I was an arrogant cunt i guess <laughs> where uh you know a lot i thought i knew better than people that above me and stuff like that in, in positions and all that mm-hmm. whereas and, and and truth be told the the previous version of pierce Fuller's back in 2015 that was a bit of an ego stroke i'm not gonna lie mm-hmm. um it was very much a, a validation of my own skill uh, a validation of you know i can i can do this uh i'm learning well there's a positive side there's learning stuff right mm-hmm. Whereas this time, I've, I've, well, I'm bearing in mind that was all closed code. No one could see the code. Mm. They can see it on the website, but no one could actually see the source. No one could actually replicate and copy what I did. I made, stupidly, I made a very, very poignant point to make it as difficult as possible for people to replicate. Oh, interesting. You really obfuscated it. You really kind of yeah, yeah. treated like, it like you you're see precious. The... <laughs> yeah, almost. Yeah, it was. I did do that. And, uh, Bearing in mind, this is in 2013, 2014, I've developed, okay. was it 15? A while ago, I developed this, six years ago. Uh, whereas this time, I've done a completely different approach. This time, it's open source in the beginning. Literally, every commit, every bit of code I've written yeah. is publicly viewable. You're way out there with um, it now. Absolutely. Um, Why the change? Maturity, I think. Growing the fuck up, I think, is the, uh, <laughs> is the answer. Uh, yeah. It's... it's 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 less more of an ego stroke now, a, a more a passion project, and that this is I see a bigger picture now. Mm-hmm. I see, as I mentioned before, like supporting not only the game but also my own development. Mm-hmm. So I've learned a ton doing this that and using technologies that I normally wouldn't touch in in my professional career, mm-hmm. uh, and or even stuff I've touched and applied to this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, on the inverse. So. It's it's helped me a lot as a person to grow in terms of my technical skill, but also just the way of getting the things out there. So, yeah. you know, I don't think six years ago I could have approached the dev team and gone, "Hey, can you plug me on the launcher?" You know, <laughs> I don't think I could have achieved it. I, 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 yeah, exactly. Very nice. I, I don't I don't think I could have achieved that. I think I would have approached it completely wrong. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. I, I I've definitely been in a similar spot, like where. Sometimes I feel like I've earned something, some kind of status, and if and if I've not conferred what I think I've earned from the status, I can feel resentful. But the truth yeah. is, sometimes you've got to ask for stuff. Like people are busy; they have their own stuff. I really appreciate what you said about um, how you've had a chance to get exposed to technologies and grown as a as a a developer as a result of pursuing this passion project. I, I think. Yeah what that kind of describes to me is a pro is a principle that I've been learning about myself. And I've been kind of, I was a little obsessed with lately an Eastern concept called Dharma, which okay. my lay person's understanding of is basically, it's like a pursuit that you're called to that is based outside of yourself. But then by passing through the pursuit, you yourself improve. So okay. right. like this this, this project I'm doing here where I'm chatting with people, with gamers around gaming matters, to me, feels like a calling, something that I feel called to do. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a 
I don't want to go as far as to call it a service, but it's, it's something that I'm putting out there for people to consume. Um, and in order to get to the point where I'm doing this, I had to work really hard on getting the stream set up, figuring out what the hell I wanted to do, and doing a bunch of work on the back end to be able to back up what we're doing here live. Yeah. Um, actually, in a lot of ways, talking in planet side is very comfortable for me because I'm a planet man. I don't got to do a lot of work to show up and talk the talk when it comes to planet side. What's scarier is doing up, doing 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 other games or other kinds of content that I'm less familiar with. Yeah. So, um, but for me, doing this thing that I like doing for people calls me to do something that that is actually the right thing to do to improve myself as well. I think that there's a kind of there's a kind of insanely large engine in that okay. for me i'm not sure if you feel that way no i think i think i sort of do um like i, I call pistol that's a passion project mm-hmm. um and it is it absolutely is um you do the space side as as a passion project uh mm-hmm. it doesn't earn you money actual fact uh i've just got a bill today from uh the monetary solution i have for 100 quid uh just to run the project. Uh-huh. It's 100 pounds out of my own money to run the project. I'm not yeah. plugging Patreon. I'm not doing that at the minute. I could do, <laughs> but I'm just not doing it. Uh, Getting to a point where the thing pays for itself would be, it would be a nice thing, right? It would. It's not my mission, but if people wanted to donate and see that my passion behind the project and realize it's not a monetary thing, it's not a status thing necessarily, it's not an ego thing, it's not any negative connotations behind it is purely just wanting to help the game that I've played years and mm-hmm. want to give back. I think then people are a lot more willing to sort of support me on that and you know put put the money where my mouth is and help help out basically. Mm-hmm. I don't need it. I, I I financially I'm okay, but I think in the fact that if people donate one or two dollars or quid or whatever. To, in, in support for it just to cover costs then mm-hmm. that to me is the biggest gift that someone can give to me at the minute in terms of <laughs> just the mere not not the financial necessarily but the mere support it's a of, vote a vote, it's a like vote saying, of like i care about right? what you do to put something that is meaningful to me to give it to you absolutely yeah great great very yeah. yeah it's like like great. like it didn't cost um rpg nothing to to give you the the launcher mention, it didn't cost them nothing to rename that weapon after you. Like, yeah. it's the the effort of the gesture that makes it read. Absolutely. And yeah. Exactly. As much as saying a nice thing that's on Reddit or sharing on, on social media is nice, it's very cheap, right? So, go spend a few bucks. Throw yeah. whatever creator you love a few bucks if you got it, yeah. and if you're so inclined. Yeah. Amen. And if you don't got it. A mere thanks is good enough to the creators as well. Like, yeah, they, they like developers don't get enough love. Like, be it game developers, me, like our echelon community developers, I guess. Uh, just the mere, like, I've had probably about twenty messages, either through Reddit comments or DMs or whatever, just saying, "Man, I love what you do. Mm-hmm. Thank you for doing it." You know. I'll I'll use this site until it it, it doesn't exist. Yeah. Uh, big one for me, a huge one for me was uh, Commander Sirius. 
massive shout out to that man. He is <laughs> a legend amongst all of Plato Two players. Where he he said to me on stream says, uh, and Rel was watching it. Rel was watching the same stream. He was in the chat, and he said, "Hell, it's about time this got on the launcher." I was like. Oh, that meant my week. <laughs> uh, oh, that that not at an egotistical level. That was just a, a level of like accomplishment. Going, fuck. People actually appreciate what I do. Yeah. And um, I was looking at the analytics for uh, the amount of viewers, users that have looked at the site when it went to the launcher. Mm-hmm. So it went from around, I think about, I think you. Just, just bear in mind, Google Analytics is subject to being blocked by. Pop up blockers. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's not authoritative. So the, the, the numbers are it's much lower than the okay. Yeah, it's approximation much lower. So in January, I was getting around 100 users a day. Mm-hmm. You want to guess how much I got on the launch a day? Uh, a thousand? 1,720 something. Holy shit. So that was like, I think something in the region of like 700% more. That in February. Uh, that's crazy. You said that was on the it, first day. That's just the first uh, first so day. That suggests to me that there were like at least a thousand people who clicked on that from the launcher. Holy at least, shit! At least well, thousand seven hundred people. Um, I'm that's at pretty it real quick. Now. I had no like. I did. I I I knew the launcher was actually important. Like I I've known that, but I I did not dream that it could get that much attention. Um. Yeah, because, hey, uh, hey. I mean, yeah. y- we've said it. How many people actually play Planetside every day? According to Steam charts, it's like a few thousand. So that suggests that like a very large percentage, well, to me, very large, seeming like half of people who went through the launcher actually took the time to click on a link and check it out. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's, as I say, it, it was uh, two emotions when that happened. First of all, holy shit. And secondly, <laughs> uh, uh, well, sorry, three emotions. Uh, the, fir- the first was that, a surprise. The second was, oh, God, everything's melting. Oh, God, I need to scale up the database. Oh, God, oh, Lord, there's so much traffic. And also uh, the third emotion was, you know, I was feeling really humbled that, you know, as I mentioned before, the give and take scenario where the devs took a risk. It could have totally flopped. It could have totally could not have took the load. And for about an hour, it didn't. Um, <laughs> where it, uh, it, it, the site would just be totally broken and... Uh, you know, the devs have therefore endorsed something that is complete pile of shit. They took a risk there. Yeah. They, they they totally took that risk, and I'm fairly sure they were watching it where, you know, they were probably going to look at it a couple of hours later and see, mm-hmm. oh shit, it's dead, take it off the launcher now, big mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully that didn't happen, but uh, it, it, it was close to being cl- close. Yeah. I, I was not expecting the level it got. I was That's expecting cool, maybe... Maybe I don't know four hundred percent uptick at that, but not seven hundred plus. Like it overwhelmed my system. So thankfully it did because now it's scaled in a way where if it happened again, I could take it. So nice. You know, it was it was a nice. You could argue that oh, you should have load balance tested it, but uh, at the same time, it's it's a pet project. I don't have that finance. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's it's one of those things. Um, it happened, and you know, I learned from it. It's one of those things. You're just not going to panic. You're just going to fix it and fix it right um but as i said as i said like it, it, it was a massive leap of faith on both my end and their end and uh yeah. i'm just humbled by it that they did it um it took a while not gonna lie 
it took a while to get it sorted, but excuse me, uh, but um, eventually it came through, and I'm glad it did. There you go. So yeah, yeah. Let us all be humble about the things that we all do for each other. I think that's a good message. Um, well, that's well, it because we're such a we're such a small community that we need to look out for each other. Um, and 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 like you know, the exact thing we're doing right here right now is is part of that, right? So it's it's. I hope so. Yeah, you know, it's, it's it's helping others see you know how close the knit we all are. Um, yeah. Like the Palestine community does have a bit of a rep for being a bit toxic, but there are a few gems of the community that do give a shit and do actually put in their own time. Mm -hmm. They don't get any kickbacks from maybe maybe the streamers do. I can't comment on that, but uh, most of us don't get anything back um, apart from the players sending their love and yeah. occasionally the devs. Well, it's not about the know, money for people who put in that, that kind of effort, at least. Oh, yeah. I mean, people who stream professionally, that's, that's, that's something else altogether. But for most of us who are doing this in our hours after our day job, after we put our kids to bed, after all these other worldly commitments that we all have to deal with day in, day out, classes, mm -hmm. exams, uh, COVID, all the shit, um, we're all taking time and energy out of our lives to help make this, shit, this world better for ourselves and each other. And yeah. we're all just people. And yeah, uh, we should all be so lucky to have folks like yourself who are out there making stuff like Planetside 2 Alerts. PS2Alerts.com. Go check it out, y'all. Mm. I think that's a good yeah, place for we... us to leave it, brother. Um, why don't you let folks know where else to find you besides your fine website? So I'm on Twitter, at uh, Maelstromus. Uh, good luck spelling it, but I think it's on the stream there. Yep. Uh, and also on Reddit, uh, I'm very active on Reddit, uh, Melson26 as well. Uh, there's also the official Platform 2 Tracker account, the Twitter account, which you can, if you want, get hold of me of, but also some updates on my project on that as well. Uh, you can also contact me on Discord. Uh, there's either my personal Discord, if you want it, it's Melstromus with hash 1337, because I'm so mature like that. <laughs> um, and also uh, the, the PS2 Alerts Discord, which you can find the link on the website. So if you want to get hold of me there or any other place, um, yeah, Great. that's where you get me. Right, and as for me, I'm Deeg, this is Basement Side, uh, Deeg TV on Twitch, Deeg BS on YouTube, Deeg Thoughts on Twitter, um, just search for Deeg. And uh, thanks, thanks, man, for coming on. This has been a fun conversation. Yeah, it's been great. Thanks very much for having me. All right, thanks everyone for watching. Um, I am also back on Monday nights doing uh, a solo stream talking about gaming industry stuff, if you want to come check it out and having interviews um, as they come up. If you want to suggest anyone to me, shoot me a note or uh, just tune in when they happen. And that'll be great. Thanks, everyone, and have an awesome night. Thanks, guys.